This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I found a list I found quite interesting. Maybe this can help you out on what you don't want to buy. <laughs> so it's like point-counterpoint. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's an article that I uh, came across, and it is called 14 Things We Buy and Then Almost Never Use. Oh, okay. right? I love this. Yep. Okay. And I think... We can all, there, there's stuff on here that all of us have fallen into oh, the trap yeah, of. Uh, yeah, know. absolutely. So I'll go through this. I don't know who the author of this article was, unfortunately. It was uh, Walt Whitman. It was Walt Whitman. Yeah, yeah. They named a bridge after yeah. him. It's unbelievable. All right, so we'll start with this, and we'll begin with a pretty obvious one, uh, online subscriptions. Okay, and these some of these are, are not necessarily physical, tangible things. Right, but, right. Uh, and this would be one of them. So uh, she says, uh, keep a close eye on those monthly bills. Uh, are you still studying Spanish with those online lessons? Are you really reading your hometown newspaper online? Uh, could you get by with some free options, maybe? Uh, stick with subscriptions that you use. Cancel those that you don't. If you don't want to do the work of reviewing your bills and canceling subscriptions you no longer use, there's a service. Uh, there's one that's called Trim that can do it for you. Yeah, I went to that site. It was something totally different, Preston. <laughs> so they can uh, they can help you, I guess, go through and yeah. see what you haven't been spending time on. So, I so yeah, I, I told you, I, I, I actually subscribed to an app that was supposed to help me eliminate the other apps that I use that I am paying for that want to get rid of. And I've never used this app, right. so I'm paying for this one as well. I uh, guess you know what might be a good idea what? is is that uh, you know how uh, uh, daylight savings time. You're, well, we're not going to have that anymore. Yeah, yeah. So goes that. How, how you check your the batteries in your uh, in your smoke alarms? Right. Maybe it's a good time to go through your apps and clean them out and see what you're not using. We have some time off coming up. I'm going to I'm going to make that a mission to go through uh, um, the the stuff and trim as much as I can from that. I do actually use a lot of things I subscribe to, so that's good. Mm -hmm. But there are things, you know, uh, how many people subscribed to Netflix multiple times without realizing it? You know, it it, it does happen. You know know which one I I still have a subscription to, and I think I haven't (laughs) made one in a long time, is that uh, the the, the app where you can put your, they they have montages of movie stars. Oh, I have that. Yeah, I have it too, but I pay a subscription for it. Sure. I haven't used it in a year. You want the pro? You want the subscription so you can get the good movie clips that's, uh-huh. that, that you never use. That I never no, I, I did the same thing because I wanted to not use it too. I need to stop paying for that. <laughs> All right, here's another thing: extended warranties. Mm. Uh, oh yeah. And then after this, we'll we'll start getting into actual tangible uh, things, products. Yeah. But extended mm. warranties should you bite? Generally. No, but it depends. Money Talks News founder Stacy Johnson says that typically extended warranties cost more than they're worth. Yes. But many new products seem to be fragile and complex, so you might want to consider. I'll, I'll tell you where, like, if you're on a computer or, yeah. or something that's a little bit where you, or like a screen cracks, so you get an extended protection plan. Okay, maybe that's the case. But I'll, I love it when you go to get like a blender, and the blender is yep. uh, eighty bucks, and they'll say, "Do you want to pay fifty dollars?" It's like, no. I just bought a toothbrush from Target, and they asked if I wanted the extended warranty, <laughs> and I was like, "No." What? Like if, I, yeah, I was like, "No, thank you." If this stops working within ninety days, yeah. I'll just bring it back. So here's what you should do: you should find out exactly what the warranty does and does not cover. Uh-huh. And of course, I'm not going uh, to do no, that. No, you're not going to do it. Uh, use that app you bought. Check to see if your credit card. 
card offers warranty protection on purchases made with that card, too. I, it, oh, it interesting. It does, and I, I probably have no... And I, no, I know I don't have any idea what it provides. Uh, she writes, when my household bought new kitchen appliances, we passed on the warranty for the oven, but we got the warranty for the refrigerator because, refrigerator because its ice machine and other features will get heavy use and could require pricey repairs. So, so I pick up a lot of our stuff, uh, you know, when people are throwing it out. I have a pickup truck and I ride around and just, pick, you know, I'll throw it in the back of the truck and try to make it work. And there you go. Yeah, yeah. save a lot of money. All right, here's another thing. This is number three on the list of 14 things that we buy and never use. Filing cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> they take up space, and technology makes them obsolete. Yeah. Uh, so she says, when we used to keep files for our utility accounts, taxes, warranties, and operating manuals, car repair receipts, the list goes on. Uh, but now, so much of what was once paperwork can be accessed digitally. These big uh-huh. cabinets are just taking up space. My wife is still very analog when it comes to a lot of this stuff. So she, yeah, does, Rochelle is too. She uses her filing cabinet. Yeah, we yeah. we keep we keep all of our. Tax information and tax receipts from the last decade. Yeah. And man, do they take up a lot of They space. do. They yeah. do. But I don't she, think you need that much time, though. And, and like I think I read that in the last couple of years or whatever, that you really only need five to keep years? for like five or six years. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I did a purge of tax files this past weekend, and and uh, they take up a lot of space. But don't you save a lot of time by not filing at all? Yeah. yeah. Most, yeah. Most governments <laughs> don't care. Man, Rochelle is, is very particular about... Things like shredding and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, sure. Like she will not throw stuff away. So we have mountains of paper yeah. that need to eventually so be shredded. Okay, so you don't have a wood-burning fireplace. So you uh, can just no. burn all that stuff in there. You're, you're, not, not, supposed to burn, anyway. you're not supposed to burn things that like uh, different types of ink or different things that are printed or emitted uh. gas. It's not good for you. Uh, do you. Does she have the cross shredder? The one that will cross it yeah, and it in two yeah, directions? Yes. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't know. Uh, all I know she is probably if she's, yeah, it, I guarantee you she, she does. She probably does. Yeah. I know that it can shred up paper clips and credit cards and things oh, like CDs that. CDs and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah if you need uh-huh. to. All right, so anyhow, uh, they recommend that uh, you can scan your important documents and store them in the cloud. You're not going to do that. And save some space, I know. <laughs> all right, so on to some other things. Expense, and here's a big one. Expensive home exercise equipment. Yeah. No one, I feel like no one ever uses that. I do. Uh, treadmill, <laughs> elliptical machine, ends up as a glorified uh, glorified clothes rack yeah. hogging up space. And if you simply must have a big expensive exercise machine, here's a tip. Buy it used. Plenty of other purchasers have trod this path before and you are ready to dump their mistakes for cheap. They are ready to dump their mistakes for cheap. Yeah. One of the best purchases we ever made is we bought a used Precore elliptical machine, oh. and it's like the workhorse of That's the gym. That's what you use. That's your exercise. And I've used it for 15 years right. and still use it. And it's it holds a great up. piece of machinery. Now, I have bought other things that have come and gone and just sit there well, and we need to get rid of. The question is, you have to think of it in two terms. What kind of workout is it going to provide, and yeah. how well will it hold your shirts? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I bought, I, I was going to take a good run at trying to build this body up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I bought this this uh, weight machine, yeah. and it's 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 a Mac Daddy. It's, right, yeah. It's Kathy to, to yep. quote yep. your buddy that used to scream in the gym. <laughs> the gym. Come on, Mac Daddy! And I used it, and I got my money's worth out of it, but I've gotten to the point where I can't do that hard of a workout because my shoulders are just susceptible to it. And you love golf. I need to get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. I need to get rid of it, and I don't know how to get rid of it. Okay, Wait, so didn't you, you post it? It's uh, So no biters yet? 
I haven't posted it. I, oh. didn't, I didn't go through the process. You should yet. get an app that'll help you post it, Preston. But yeah. it's big. <laughs> it's big, and I need to get rid of it. We, I, um, we bought... And it's great. Yeah, but according to this, you'll be able to get rid of it, because if somebody buys it used, yeah. they're more likely to, or they, they should buy yeah. it used as opposed yeah. to new. But... They have to take it apart and to haul it out. Uh-huh. So I'm yeah, not doing that. I'm not doing what? I ain't doing that. Why don't you make sure it's on the premises when you do your gig over the weekend? There you go. Yeah, with I'll bring it to mud in. <laughs> so anyhow, that's something to be to really consider. Are right. you going? To Are use you this? going to use it? And honestly, that is very good advice because uh, be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's another thing, and and we were victim to this as well. Uh, cookbooks. Yeah. Things that we buy but really don't use. I mean, there's a couple that we use, but we have tons of them. Well, so, it's, so online stuff has made that sort of. Yeah, right? it's all there. It's all online. You just, you just right ask. There. So Claire constantly is, is asking, you know, Alexa, in the kitchen, we have one of the, the, the show, which has the screen on it. Give me a recipe for a pesto pasta. Yep, yeah, or Food Network. Yeah. It's just. It's all right there. You got some of the best chefs around that that have all the information for you, from easy to difficult. I think books old, are stupid. I think I'm old school when it comes to this because I, I I still like the books. You and, like the books? Yeah. As, okay. I like joy, but there's two. You don't need more than a joy of cooking. Yeah, yeah. I actually use um, and Steve like just the the converse to using the tech or whatever. I kind of like just having the page open to that recipe, right? Yeah. Right. Instead of like having to hit my phone every time that the screen's going to go off. Or no, that's that's a good point. So that I mean, but that's just personal preference. Yeah, so nonetheless, uh, you can you can find plenty for free and online. What about the classic little box with the index cards with oh, recipes yeah. on it? Oh, do I, got a, I, have, have I have one yeah. of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I do use it. My mom actually put all of her, her recipes those in Those are usually the ones that I go, oh, this is, oh, okay, now we're going to the box. Family secret. Yeah, my mom and my Aunt Mary. Yeah. The meatballs. All right, how about oh, with the raisins? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's what they used to call Aunt Mary. <laughs> yeah, we're going to meatballs. Hey, old meatballs is coming over tonight. Meatballs is coming over tonight. Oh, Aunt Mary made the rum cookies and the rum balls. Okay. By the way, rum uh, balls. if your mom is ever thinking about making some more meatballs, All right. yeah. I was a big fan. Okay, good. All right, going back to the gym equipment, gym memberships, also something that a lot of people buy and yeah. do not Never use. use. You have this beautiful piece of equipment at home. Why would you go to the gym? <laughs> I know somebody who, who paid for about 10 years and maybe went five times. No. Kidding! They just kept paying. (laughs) They just kept paying. They just and it was like I guess the the uh, monthly membership was so cheap that they kind of just thought, well, no, I'm I'm going to get into it. I'm going to do it eventually. So they just kept it going. What's like a ballpark membership? Planet Fitness is ten bucks a month. Ten bucks a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so minus twenty five. And the Y is like. They've come. They've come way down, Preston. Really? They, the why? No, no, no. Like, like gym memberships have come have come down because um, the, this whole trend of it being like ten bucks a month started. So, like, to compete with these the people that were doing this, everybody dropped their prices. Mm. It's no longer that like you know three hundred dollar you know sign up and you're you're signed on for ten years and no, you they, never quit. They, and, they get you big time. Yeah, but it, especially if it's like an elite facility. Yeah, like um, I, I don't know what Edge is because Edge is like new to the game. It's a particular uh, sex act. <laughs> it is the LA Fitness, and they have different um, levels of, yeah. of club, you know, and that's the other thing, Press. You can either b- belong to a club for like 10 bucks a month, or for a little bit extra, like like a Planet Fitness, you could go to any Planet Fitness in the whole country. Like, we have one here in the building, but uh, years ago, I went. Yeah. It's insanely expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, 
I couldn't figure out how to sign up. Oh, really? It would have been easier to join Hogwarts <laughs> than... <laughs> I just want to go down to use an elliptical or something. Yeah, I think our, our sales manager Bill Burns does it every day. Like, that's his gym. He comes he's in and works Nick, out Nick, there. It's not. He's actually he's, he's he actually works out in Pagano's and does it real. <laughs> I don't know if they're there anymore, Nick. I think they closed when the pandemic happened. I don't know they if they. Opened. I, I don't know. Yeah, they Burns. They're open. The oh. gym in our building. Are they? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's still okay. there. But I don't know if Burns goes there anymore. Is okay, he's going with that. He works out of Pagano's. Hang on. Let me go to Joe here. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Good morning. Hey, guys, boner alert. Boner alert. What's up, buddy? What's going on? About five years ago, I got the uh, Planet Fitness. I got the black membership. I got the, the souped up membership. I have never been in the building. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you paid for this, and are you still paying for it? I'm, I'm still on it. I can't figure out how to cancel it. Hey, oh, you have to go in store. You have to go in store. Joe, how much? I've never been, I've never been in. Are you too <laughs> embarrassed to go in because you have paid for it all these years and never worked out? Uh, I'm in good shape. I'm in good shape, but All I'm right. ready to go in and try to tell them that I tried to quit four years ago. Too, <laughs> Joe, how much is the uh, the upscale uh, membership that you have? Yeah, I got the uh, the black card. So how I much? Can, uh, uh, Twenty bucks a month. Okay, so twice the price of the yeah. ten dollar a month okay. investment. Yeah. All right, ah. but I can use the tanning bed. He can you use, use the, the tanning bed. It's a selling nice. point. I massage, don't know. massage chairs too, right, Joe? Yes, and a massage chair, but yeah. but I am African American, so there you go. That's why I got the black membership, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Well, listen. Go take care of that man. Finish it. Put it. Put it to an end. Go yeah. in and get it done. All right. Next. Next. Next enrollment period. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Thank you, Joe. Call us back, Joe, when you That's, when you cancel it. What, what, what Joe was just mentioning is a reason why a lot of people don't is because they went in, they got the big sale. Okay, yeah. here's your thing. Here's your water bottle. We're gonna do that. We'll see you soon. And then they are sort of uh, they're embarrassed. Well, and they also they think, okay, well, I'm not gonna get that same deal, so I have to keep paying it. Right, right. Otherwise, if I do decide to go, I'm gonna be paying you know double the price. The or truth whatever. is, you'll get the same. You'll deal. get the same deal. Yeah. <laughs> Exact same. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. not cheaper. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you probably got taken for a ride. All right. These are things that we buy and we never actually use. Here's another uh, one on the list. Planners and journals. Yeah. Oh, I used to love, I, I was a big, like, write down in the planner, um, you know, like my, my week's activities. or Buy a journal. <laughs> no, I was never a journal person, but, um, like, definitely my schedule for the week. I lo- when, when it switched over to the phone, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to do this. I want it written in front of me. And eventually I did. But, yeah, I, I loved those. I use classic. Uh, so I handwrite a to-do list. Like, I'll do it here in the morning. And then I convert that over to a text document on my computer. So I've, I've reminded myself of it. And that's my thing. An actual book, an actual yeah. and software. The different programs that I use, I, I can use it. But just in a very basic way, that's how I remind myself. My dad has kept a journal for most of his life, like journals. Oh, nice. Oh, and awesome. so when he re- kind of, he recorded about for seven or eight hours, he recorded his life on a, on a digital recorder for us to have once he passes. He was able to kind of reference his own journals over the many years. I wish I was uh, diligent enough to do that because I, I, I might admire that. That's an impressive it quality. Was, it was an older, I think it was a thing, sure. you know, that 
has passed. You know who still keeps a planner and uh, obviously it's really effective is a Pierre. Oh my God. <laughs> Where's my planner? But it's it's color coded and so like uh, when he highlights something in green. What does yellow mean? <laughs> green, green is concerts and then pink is work obligations or whatever. Yeah. He, he tries. I give him credit for trying. It's just not that effective. You know what else I had a hard time giving up was balancing my checkbook. Like, oh. I had it to a T, exact scent as to what was in there. And when that kind of, like, you know, everything was online, I was like, oh, I don't know. I would still write it down. Okay. Bill, Bill Weston has his, I mean, that's his work book, but it's... He does, him. yeah, that's right. It, right? Yeah. That's, he comes in... I want to say Chuck does, too. Yeah. I think he's got a uh, written down note. I think there is something with physically writing it down. And then yeah. again, as I say, I, I transfer why, it. That's why my t- daily to-do list, right, yeah. I write it down. And I got tired of using paper, so I bought one of those. It's called a boogie board. Uh, yes. You know, it's a it's yeah. a digital. Mm-hmm. And I, I put that. I've got to hang it up right where I can see it when I walk in the kitchen. And I write down my things to do for the day. And I love marking them off. There's I love a marking them off. company called Guess What I To Do. <laughs> <laughs> Except with the boogie board, it's just one little button. So, like, if you have a kid that just walks by and hits it, and you're like, there goes my whole list. Well, there's a lock. You can put a lock on it. Yeah. So I I write everything down, and once I get it on there, I lock it. And then you can't lock it. And then no one one can mess with that. So, all right. uh, Something else that we buy and never use, and this is, I am totally behind this. I hate it when my wife gets things like this single use appliances. And I'll give you some examples. A hot dog toaster, a cotton yeah, candy cart, yeah, yeah, a yeah. cake pop maker, or an electric <laughs> cake pan. We had like a we had like a, yeah. a fajita station, you know. And come on, I had man! A, I had a quesadilla maker. Yeah. <laughs> A quesadilla I, maker. Oh, you mean a pan, a frying pan? That's what you make quesadillas well, in. I, well, and that's what I ended up using to make right. the quesadillas was the pan, not the quesadilla maker that right. I, you know, I registered you, for. You, the, but like when you walk through like a Wings and Sonoma, you know. The, yeah, you're like, they, they look fun. Yeah, they look fun. This use one butters toast. Yes. <laughs> what would I use? Well, the, how about a butter knife? Yeah. You know yeah. what, though? Ye- yesterday when I was searching through the Prime deals, I came across, and I think you have it, Casey. It was a, maybe a breakfast. The sandwich maker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I was like, oh, I was like, maybe I want to get that. <laughs> I didn't, but so here, here's here's, here's, here's specific, now this is a little more viable, Preston, because people make popcorn at home all the time. Oh, uh, and I love popcorn. I am. So I I misordered a popcorn popper. So I have a small one that I'm, I said, oh, I'll just bring that into work that I haven't returned or done anything with. So I bought a larger, an oil one. You pour oil in the base, and it stirs the kernels around and pops, and then you flip it over. So I got one of those. I'm like, God damn, yeah. Every time you do that, you got to clean that thing. The oil builds up, and then you have to put it in a bowl, and you have to clean the bowl. Okay, I'm getting a hot air popper now. So in the course of like three or four weeks, you got- I bought three popcorn machines. Now, they're cheap, which is fine. Between the two of you, you should bring in the <laughs> extra items you've ordered from Amazon, and we could have like a yard sale. Oh, my God. Oh my God yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable Listen, how I, I just screw it up. When, when, is she listening? When Rochelle goes away... <laughs> Uh, I just throw that stuff away. <laughs> I throw it away. I'm like, or go to Goodwill and drop it off. You're like, I mean, my like mom. Like we had like this multiple. I, I think it was, if I remember, it was a while ago. I got rid of it. it was like a multiple egg, uh, uh, hard boil egg boiler, something like that. So you, each egg had its own little cup. <laughs> oh, little I've seven. seen them. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Put them all in a pot with water. <laughs> it does the same thing. There it is. It's up on the screen. Yes. Yeah. I'm like. Seriously. Wait, that's... You boil water and you put six eggs in the pot. All right? 
Oh but sometimes they, they like hit each other. And oh dear God! They what do crack. I do now? What, what is the crack? Uh, yeah. And then you're all out of What am I going to do? What are you driving cross country while you're making eggs? <laughs> the, the, the eggs are colliding with themselves. <laughs> so anyway. And they take up space. That's the thing. Single-use appliances. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yep. I love all take these. I think they're great. If, but I would need like a whole garage to store it all. <sighs> all right. Here's a few other things. We got to we got to break shortly because we're going to go on Fox Good Day. Um, travel accessories. Uh, these are things that we buy and never use. Uh, it says there's no use, no need for fancy passport covers, money belts, and packing cubes. If you have a smartphone, you don't need foreign language dictionaries or paper maps. <laughs> the fewer things you take with you, the easier the trip. I'm so, good. it makes sense. Claire was going on a trip, and I bought her one of those things, right? I, I, it seemed like a new thing. They were advertising it, and it was like the strap around your neck with a little, like a pouch that you... Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, that's awesome. If I'm 90... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hang your passport and stuff in. That, oh, yeah. That, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, So, you don't like that, huh? I guess... Um, although the, the packing cubes can be good, keep I you know, organized, yeah, right? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, souvenirs in general. You guys souvenir buyers? I, no. I, I get used magnets. to be. No. You get what? I like magnets. Magnets. Yeah. I used to buy I like magnets. maggots. I don't do those anymore. Shock We're, glasses for a long stretch. Oh, yeah, God. I did that as well. Yeah. I'm over that. Uh-huh. I, I got Feel rid those. Of, I got tired <laughs> right. of, of collecting that stuff. But it says, who needs a souvenir keychain, refrigerator, magnet, or coffee mug? Inexpensive treats like jam and scone mix made with local fruit can be better. Oh, scone mix. I, I do, yes, I, I bought some in Maine. I bought uh-huh. some blueberry scone, scone mix. scone mix is from Kuwait. Uh, <laughs> what? Well, yeah. That's not even kind of thing. That's not, scones aren't from Kuwait. But it says the best souvenirs, your photos and memories are the cheapest. But I do like bringing back some food, something that will get used as of stuff instead of stuff that's just laying around all the time. I These low main fixings are from Vancouver. <laughs> what? I do, um, I try to do an accessory that will last me a while, like, as opposed, like, uh, because I like to go shopping, yeah. uh, also while I'm away. So, like, shoes, a belt, a, a purse, something okay. like that, that's going to last me yeah. years and it's not going to be, you know, worn out after one season. I'll do a shirt, you know, something that says, okay, I was there, you know, or something along those lines, and you, that's about it. You know, it's a fun thing, I, honestly, and I, I, I got it, uh, again for my wife, I, I, but she travels, so I stay home and take care of the animals, but... One of those large maps that are all the rage now, where you you, you put the push pins oh, in yeah. where you visited. I like those. I have one of those. And I thought, is this a, is this a hacky thing to get? She loves it because it has you put in different colored pins for where you want to go and where you've been. Yeah. It looks like an old nautical map, and uh, people always gravitate towards it when they see it. You made right. up for that passport thing. Yeah, the passport <laughs> a right, couple Bad more quick call. ones. Things we buy and never use. You know, this is for Prime Day as you're surfing and you see a great deal. Think about whether you use it or not. Uh, over-the-top camping equipment. This is not really to your camping. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have to worry about this segment, Kathy. All right, so it says things you can camp comfortably without this stuff, like a s'mores maker, a yeah. Keurig single-service coffee maker, or a cool headlamp for the midnight trek to the bathroom. There's, a flashlight will do just fine. There's a great camping accessory. It's called a hotel room. It is. <laughs> Wait, what's great is that you were like, I don't have to worry about it, except I have the s'more maker. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't use a stick. Yeah. So that you can use it inside. Oh. We can make s'mores inside. Those the aren't s'mores. Just get yeah. tuckins. Those don't count. Tuckins are self-contained. No, yeah, but count. the tuckins—they need a good flame. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm just saying, the, the little s'more maker I have, we, com- we can do like at the kitchen table. Okay. That's wonderful. <laughs> Come on, kids. Let's not do this. Uh, another one, another item, specialized sports equipment. Uh, it says, um, introducing new sports in your life is a great health boost, but you can uh, maybe be able to get along with borrowing or renting specialty items until you are a serious contender. Because if you get into a, a, a sport, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you need all this stuff uh-huh. if you're going to really play it. But maybe you start off small and then figure out if you really like it and then buy the right. the more, you know. Go, go to that MMA higher, rental place. Right, the yeah. higher quality <laughs> stuff. And then finally, it says frivolous pet purchases. Oh, uh, Doggy dental hygiene gel, microwavable heated bed pads, and other specialty <laughs> items, pet Halloween costumes, and 90% of so their toys. That, you're almost just talking to yourself because pet owners traditionally... We'll spend money on 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 the craziest stuff, and we'll continue. It's a it's like buying for babies. It's crazy. Same thing. Yeah. Just yeah. real quick, I bought yesterday uh, a cat brush that you hit a button and it it pops out the uh, the, the hair, hair the hairball. So okay, we'll see if that works. All right, let us know. We'll get back <laughs> to review. All right, just thought this was interesting for those who are on it a purchasing spree right yeah. now. Just things that we buy and almost never use are going to go to waste. It can seem kind of fun or interesting at first, but keep that in mind. We're going to take a break. Stay there. <laughs> Like the Preston and Steve Show podcast? Well, check out MMR's other audio on demand at WMMR.com or on MMR's mobile app. HD. It ain't just for your TV anymore. Use your HD radio to hear the best sounding MMR there is. Plus, enjoy MMR HD 2, the MMR Archives channel. Everything that rocks never sounded so good. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Our next guest, he's got a band, too. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've talked to him about it uh, on two occasions, the Lieutenant Dan Band. Which is awesome. Uh, but we're gonna, but uh, the reason that he came on our radar most recently was I had seen a donation that he did uh, to a New Jersey fire company. Um, and it was a really cool thing, and it's part of what the Gary Sinise Foundation does. So we would like to welcome Mr. Gary Sinise. Yeah. This Morning, Gary. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. By the way, uh, we just had in our studio, she just had to leave. Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley loves you. She said to tell you hello. (laughs) She was just here a moment ago, and she was going on and on about what a great person and actor you are. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a sweet person. She is. She's a, she's a doll. We, we are so excited to talk uh, to you, Gary. And, the, and the, the phrase that we've been using all morning is that you walk the walk and you become so passionate about first responders and the military. And, and I don't think people realize that you're working on stuff that is involved with your own charity and other charities like this year round. And uh, I, I mean, I, I, you, when, did the, when did you first get consumed with this? Um, this commitment to all these causes because you're so passionate about it. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Um, well, I mean, as the seeds were planted many years ago, I have a lot of veterans in my family, so it starts. It starts there. Um, you know, uh, World War II veterans. I've got uh, my grandfather served in the army in uh, World War One. My dad was in the Navy during Korea. Wow. Uh, Vietnam veterans on my wife's side, so a lot of veterans there, and and then uh, got involved, very involved with veterans in the eighties uh, in the Chicago area. I had a theater company, and I, I got involved with supporting Vietnam veterans. Then then I played the Vietnam veteran in Forrest Gump, and he was a wounded veteran, of course. So I 
I really got involved with the DAV, Disabled American Veterans, back in the 90s. And then after September 11th, uh, I was just teed up to, to do something and didn't didn't want to just sit back and do nothing. I was My heart was breaking over that terrible, terrible event. And we were starting to deploy to Afghanistan and Iraq uh, shortly after that. And I just wanted to be a part of... Uh, you know, helping the men and women who were serving our country. So I started volunteering and then it all turned into the Gary Sinise Foundation. So, and it, and it's also spread out beyond, like Stephen said, uh, uh, beyond military, but also first responders. And so you were, um, uh, a gentleman, uh, Vincent Fire Chief uh, Scott Mitchell had, had reached out to you, wrote a letter, and uh, it was very practical in nature in that they just needed some equipment, some very specific equipment. And how does that, uh, I, I, I could imagine these requests are coming in left and right uh, from all over the place, and it, it's got to be uh, tough to manage. Uh, but you got right back to him personally, correct? They, they Well, uh, I'll tell you, the, uh, speaking of September 11th, that's where all the first responder support started for me. I got involved with the FDNY after that terrible event and supporting them. You know, they lost uh, 343 firefighters there, 417 first responders in total. And I started volunteering to support them. I actually had met, I was on my first trip to Iraq uh, in 03, and I sat down next to a gentleman who was wearing a button on his shirt and it had a picture of a firefighter and a police officer on it. And I said, what's that? And he said, those are my sons. They were both killed on oh September 11th. Right. And his name is John Vigiano. He was a legendary uh, firefighter in New York, uh, served with the Marine Corps. And we became fast friends. And he introduced me to the FDNY and I started supporting them in different ways and helping to, there's a memorial on Coney Island, um, uh, at the ballpark there on the on the side of the wall, it's called uh, the Brooklyn Wall of Remembrance. And I helped to raise the money to build that back in 07. And just all of the first responder work I was doing uh, to support prior to my foundation just sort of manifested itself into the creation of our first responder outreach at the Gary Sinise Foundation. And so now we're supporting departments all over the country. I mean, when you think about it, uh, most of the departments in this country are volunteers. Yeah, uh, they you know the guy works at the shoe store, and at night he goes and uh, sits in the firehouse. And and these departments do not have a lot of resources. They do not have a lot of equipment. The uh, the local uh, town administration doesn't have a huge budget to support the firefighters. So they reach out to us all over the country and ask us. For different pieces of equipment, uh, grants, whatever, we're, we're supplying um, equipment and grants all over the country uh, to support these local fire departments. They're out there trying to save lives. We want to help them do that. You know, it's um, so I have uh, law enforcement in the family and my, my, my father, he just recorded um, hours of um, his life prior to you know, us being aware of you know our lives as we were, were being raised by him, and he was over in Italy during World War II, and 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 it just occurs to me whether they be first responders or military, there is something special in these people who who will do it all for you. It make, it makes me get choked up because it is it is such a unique quality that these are the people when all hell is breaking loose. And people are running away. These are the ones running towards. And there's something special that always has to be cherished and celebrated. So the work you're doing is doing that. And we commend you for that. 
Thank, thank you. Well, I've, I've been inspired by, you know, so, so many people over the years that I've met that are exactly that, you know, they don't have to serve yet. They do. They don't have to run into those buildings let, yet. They do for people they don't know. Uh, we have our military out there on the front, front lines. They go where uh, they're told and sometimes they get hurt. Sometimes their families lose them. And I feel like the freedom that they provide and the security that our first responders provide um, that there is some way that I can be of service to, to backing them up in, yeah. in a way. And I've, I've been privileged. I've had a great career, blessed in so many ways. And I just wanted to do something uh, to support uh, in as many ways as possible. And now we have the, the support of thousands and thousands of donors who go to GarySiniseFoundation.org. They donate so that we can do good things like helping that department there in Pennsylvania. Uh, Gary, you know, we live in such politically divisive times and, and, you know, there are so many things that don't unite us. Uh, but if you can't honor the veterans and first responders and people who have served for this country, uh, I don't know what, what would unite us. What, you know, that, that, that's such a unifying and good feeling. I'm wondering if you've spent um, any time or, or have worked with John Stewart at all. He's been doing a lot of work with uh, uh, victims of burn pits and veterans returning from uh, Afghanistan and Iraq and, and trying to help them get the medical care, medical care that they need. I, I've done a few events with John over the years. We've, we've met. I, first time we met, I went on his TV show when he had his TV show years ago. And he interviewed me about uh, something I was doing, some some movie or something. <laughs> but we've uh, we've run into each other at a couple of events. Uh, we did something at West Point uh, together years ago. He's uh, supported the USO, and I've been involved with them for many, many years. Uh, he's he's fighting a good fight there for uh, when he needs to get in front of Congress to get their attention, and and I admire him for that. Well, we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about your your uh, career. You just mentioned it, and and I happened to watch of Mice and Men your version, um, which is I think is just a sensational, fantastic film. It, it just kills me every time. It's brilliant, and uh, and you you you've um, you also did Grapes of Wrath on stage, and John Steinbeck seems to speak to you, uh, uh, you know, in a way that speaks to a lot of people because it's, I think Steinbeck captures a lot of what the American spirit is. Is that how you connect to that to those works and to his work in general? Uh, Steinbeck was, uh, you know, of mice and men was almost my introduction to literature. I was, I was not somebody. Uh, I was, I was uh, academically challenged as a youngster. <laughs> didn't pay much attention until I got into the theater department in my high school, and then I wanted to kind of learn more. And our teacher there took us to see a production of A Mice and Men when I was about 16 years old. And I, I didn't know anything about it, didn't know the book, didn't know anything. And it really introduced me to literature. I went and read the book after that, then uh, then The Grapes of Wrath. And Steinbeck really was kind of the, the, the author that I was paying attention to as a youngster. So when the opportunities came along at my theater company, Steppenwolf Theater, to do Of Mice and Men. We did it in 1980. Um, we did uh, a production of The Grapes of Wrath. We adapted that for uh, for the stage. It won the Tony Award in 1990. And then when I was standing on the stage on Broadway, um, we were shooting it for PBS. Mm -hmm. uh, we closed it after six months, and now we brought the cameras in. We were shooting it. I was standing there with Elaine Steinbeck, oh, wow. uh, John Steinbeck's widow, and 
she was a big fan of the play, and I was standing there with her, and I said, you know, would you give me the rights to make a Mice and Men into a movie? Hmm. And she said, well, honey, it's already been a film, like three times. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, well, I think I could do a good job with it. What, what do you say? And she gave me the rights, actually, for free wow. for one year. And so my deal with her was if I could set the movie up, um, I would get the studio to pay pay her, <laughs> which is exactly what we did. I went to MGM, and they, they bought it, and they paid uh, her for the rights uh, to to make a movie out of it, and one year later we were making a movie of a mice and men. So wow. Steinbeck is a, is a favorite, and I was privileged to work on a couple of great pieces of his. Well, I have to tell you, it, it rocks my world every time I watch it. John Malkovich, everyone, and and Ray Walston is is great in it as well. I just oh, yeah. there's so many scenes in that movie, and your directing is I, I'm, I'm I'm gonna it's weird to fanboy on of mice and men, but I am. It's just <laughs> such a brilliant work, and you deserve all the credit for. Well, thank you. I, 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 that, that was one of, one of the f- favorite things I've worked on because I produced it and directed it and, and, and got to be in it. I'll fanboy in another film for a moment because yesterday we had a conversation, uh, Gary, about <clears throat> the movie that you may have seen beginning to end more than any others. And the movie that I mentioned uh, was Apollo 13 because any time... Uh, and, and it runs quite a bit yeah. on various channels. Anytime it comes on, I find myself sucked into it, and I will sit down and I'll watch the whole thing. I'm fascinated by uh, the engineering that took place behind the space program. So uh, Tom Hanks's, you know, uh, From the Earth to the Moon was a, a, an incredible series that I fell in love with as well. But you as Ken Mattingly, I was curious about a, a practical question about that film. Since Ken didn't go to space, did you as an actor get to have to or get to spend time in the Vomit Comet in preparation uh, for that, because I know none of the scenes you shot were, were in that, but did you get to ride in it? Yes, yes, I did. Okay. Uh, we, we all went up. <clears throat> for one, of, you know, it was a really fun movie to work on because we did some cool things. We went to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama, hmm. and uh, we went down to, to to Houston. I went to watch the shuttle go up in Florida. <sighs> We got to do some really cool things, and one of those was go up in the KC-135 training plane, which is the is the airplane. It, it'll go up to, uh, you know, 42,000 feet, and then it'll drop. You know, it just starts heading toward the Earth, and during the 25 seconds that you're crashing down toward the Earth, everything inside the plane just floats, and you get 25 seconds of zero gravity, and, and we got to do that. Uh, and then Ron Howard... Decided to put the set in there and shoot in there. It's amazing. Any with with people now taking this little space trip, uh, <laughs> does that hold any fascination to you at all? Uh, you mean actor in space? No, no, no. I mean like uh, Jeff Bezos, Blue Horizon, yeah. and and uh, and uh, SpaceX and all that stuff, taking uh, passengers up for rides. Yeah, I think Tom Hanks should be the actor. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Shoot him up there. <laughs> I, uh, Gary, I have a, a fanboy question because I think the movie Ransom is underrated. I, your, oh. your performance in that and, and uh, Mel Gibson, uh, Rene Russo, it's a really great movie and it sort of flies under the radar. Do you have any particular memories of, of doing the movie Ransom? Yeah, well, I did. So almost, uh, I think it was nearly back-to-back movies with, well, I did uh, Apollo 13 with Ron Howard, and then his next movie was Ransom. Hmm. And so we had a great time on Apollo 13, and he offered me the part of Jimmy Shaker uh, in Ransom, and I remember turning it down at first. I, I was just like, I, I had very young children. This is a movie about a kidnapper, 
And uh, I had very young children at the time. And when I read the movie, I just absolutely hated the character (laughs) Rock asking me to play. I just just hated the guy. And he was written a little older than I was at that time. So I, I just wasn't seeing myself doing it. And then I started to regret <laughs> that, that I had turned the movie down. I, I said no to Ron Howard. <laughs> Mel Gibson's going to be in this movie. Well, how did I do that? So I was thinking about it, but, you know, I'd already said no. And then I bumped into the producer, Ron's partner, Brian Grazer. We were at a, a little Halloween parade with our children, and they were going to the same school or something. And I saw Brian... And he said hi, and I said, hey, Brian, how's it going? Uh, what, whatever happened to casting that part in, the, in, in, in Ransom? And he said, well, it's, we haven't really done that yet, we're, but we're about to, to offer it to somebody. And I said, he, he said, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you, do you think I could talk to Ron again about it? And, uh, you know, within 15 minutes of me getting home that day, Ron Howard was on the phone calling. He said, Brian told me to call you. Are, are you reconsidering? And I said, well, Ron, yes, I am. And next thing I know, I had Ransom. And it ended up being a, you know, playing a villain like that is is actually, you know, you get to dominate the movie so much and you're 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 tormenting the lead character throughout the whole film and then of course you 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 pay for all that at the end and that's that's exactly what i did it's an atypical role and it was wild to see you you know have fun tearing at it because it's just it's not the way we're used to seeing you but you yeah. go a lot of your characters go through transitions that one did not he was he was a prick all the way to the end he, he was just psychotic yeah yeah <laughs> Well, juxtaposed with the awesome things that you do with the Gary Sinise Foundation, you've covered all the bases, and we just it, we we love any chance we get a t- uh, an opportunity to talk to you, Gary, and we, we want to thank you for helping. You know, not only some uh, uh, EMTs and and uh, and first responders here locally, but what the Gary Sinise Foundation does nationwide. If people do want to support uh, Gary Sinise Foundation, what is the easiest way to go about that? The, the first thing I would do is to go to GarySiniseFoundation.org. Okay. Uh, check out the website. Look at the programs. Go to the YouTube channel. There's dozens of videos that show us uh, in action and show the people that we're trying to help. We have many, many great sponsors and partners, thousands of donors. Uh, Sunbelt Rentals is one of our great uh, supporters. Uh, They do a a ton of great work with us. Very, very supportive. We have a lot of great corporate sponsors, and we can always use more because we're always trying to do more. I love it. We'll continue to do that. Excellent. Keep up the great work. Uh, Gary, have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Have a great day. You too. Gary Sinise. Damn. I'm telling yeah. you, he's something else, man. Yeah, I, Jesus Christ, he's so good. And we have so uh, good. pages of stuff we could talk to him yeah. about, but I mean, uh, maybe, well, we we opened the door. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Sunbelt. That was really cool for him yeah. to bring them up. That's that's sort of where this connection began, and so uh, they're going to help us out uh, at Camp Out for Hunger this year, too. So it's, it's really cool to have that connection oh, from us to Sunbelt to Gary Sinise and back again. Love it. All right, guys, to try and stay on time, we need to take a break. Stay right there. Glad you asked. Blank 182. Smashing Pumpkins. Bowl Beat. 
More of everything that rocks on 93.3 WMMR. Chuck said earlier that if we, maybe if we talk about laundry, sex will come up. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. No. We have uh, other things to talk about. But, but I did have a... I, I'm going to mention this real quick. Right. I don't know if it leads to a discussion or not. But it does have a little bit of a laundry vibe to it. All right. Um, our So we have two dogs. we got a boy and a girl. Uh, the, the girl's Haley. The boy is Rook. And Rook, for some reason, he does this all the time, is driving Rochelle crazy. He eats the crotch out of her underwear. Okay. <gasps> out of Rochelle's That's underwear? That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> like tears yeah. it up? Yeah. Yeah, oh, like eats it. Man. Wait, and I'm sorry. Did you say it's the girl? No, it's, it's the, the boy. boy. Oh, it's the oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Eats her panties, eats the, the, the crotch out of the panties. And it's so funny because she'll be like, I'll hear her go, son of a bitch. That's crazy. And she'll she'll hold up her underwear and he's ripped holes in the crotch. Wow. I didn't know if that was, if Is it that's a thing. The dirty under, not dirty. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's it. stuff that's in the laundry. Yeah, there. so you know we've talked about this issue and I had it with the cats. Uh, going in and pulling out, you know, used uh, tampons. Well, they're going to get tampons. Yeah. Yes, they will. And so things like underwear, things that have, um, now less so with the cats, and, and, and our dog hasn't done it, but I'm very aware of dogs doing that. There's something, whether it's a pheromone or whatever. Is it? Because uh, he doesn't touch mine. No. You know, is it just women? Yeah. It's just uh It seems, when I've ever heard this story, or, you one know, time, I, yeah. a cat, one of our cats marked That's, on it's a really nice sweaty underwear. <laughs> but for the most part, it seems to be female. Listen, my underwear gets damp, you know? Yeah. The ball sweat and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, but, but not I mean, vagina you know, sweat. But there's yeah. leakiness, I guess. I don't know. They're man. not into ball Come sweat. Come on, guys. Don't you like ball sweat? Uh, so, my cat does the exact same thing, but it's the female cat. That's why I asked you uh, if it was the female or the male dog. Yours uh, is the male dog. Uh, my female cat, well, so I'll take... Does the... she identify as male? <laughs> she Maybe might, not. I don't know. No, uh, so I'll take the laundry and I put it on, you know, when I sort it, I'll put it on the ground and then throw it into the, the washing machine. We're back to laundry. Um, <laughs> right. And so, when it's on the ground, if my underwear is there, she will dig yeah. through the pile of laundry, find my underwear, and like nuzzle her nose into Does it. Does she ever? Do you ever have the marking worn underwear? No, but like okay. it. And, and listen, the poor thing. Like I, I don't. She, whatever. I don't know what yeah. she's doing. But like I get so annoyed. I'm like, leave the underwear alone. This smells like mommy. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh man. But kitty likey. But she's like, yeah, she's weird with, and it's only my underwear. Huh. She, she will go after the tampons. I have to put a tissue box. Yeah. I had to get a, a trash can with a lid, and then I have to put the tissue box on top of the lid to weigh it down because she has figured out how to open the lid and go into the trash can. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's Animals super do fun that. When yeah. You find okay. That. Now it's a listen. It's a it's a standard joke. The whole fish thing. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean. Right. It is. is there a little bit of truth to that? There's probably something, f- maybe pheromonally speaking, yeah, some- that that approximates smell. Why, like, why are they attracted to your bar sweat? Yeah, you know. Yeah, why are they attracted? Yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, we're getting calls. Let me go to Jen. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Good morning. Good morning, chicken pot, chicken pot, chicken, chicken pot. pot. I love it. What's up, Jen? Now, um, but before her, we had another boxer who, over the seven years we had her, I lost about 60 pairs of underwear. All right. Um, it was rocky. Was and female. Okay. So yeah. uh, I, I wasn't sure if it was a male, you know, uh, the gender distinction or not, but I guess not. Yeah. I'm, I mean, every Valentine's Day, birthday, or Christmas, my husband would get me a, a gift card to Victoria's Secret to all right. replace all the underwear that I was eating. She would eat them whole, throw them up whole. 
So, uh, so she would And we knew if she didn't eat her food that day, she got to a pair of underwear. We went through so many different hampers trying oh to God. find it. So let me ask you quickly, Jen. Was so was eating the entire pair of underwear, not just eating the crotch out? No, the entire huh. thing. She would throw up multiple pairs at wow. time. Um, and I could leave out an entire hamper of clean underwear, and she would never touch them. Only dirty ones. In that's the it. It's got. It's it's the it's the same sort of. It's, it's got to be the smell that's generated. Yeah, uh, and it is appealing to, to animals. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and it you know so Rook just eats the. Uh, Eats the crotch out of it. That's, that's, <laughs> that is kind of kinky. He's not playing around. That's he's totally going kinky. Yeah. He's going yeah. right for what he wants. Wow, Jen. I, mean, I know Jen. what I like. Is your dog's... My, my boxer nail doesn't do it. Okay, no, that's what I was going to ask if your, if your boxer was still alive or not, but it's a different dog. Adrian, yeah, I just ate your underwear. I have another female boxer, and she doesn't do it. It was just my... Adrian, I just ate the crotch out of your underwear. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. That's what it is. Something about the smell. I can't help myself. That's what boxers do, right? right? Boxer, I eat your underwear. Nom, nom, <laughs> That's kinky, Rocky. Uh, let me go to... That's Sam. right, it stinks! <laughs> That's why I like it! That's right, it stinks! It smells like fish! Anchovies! I can't help myself! I just had to fight Rook for your underwear. All right, so we got Sandy on the line. Hi, Sandy. Good morning. Congratulations, guys, on your numbers and your success with the camp out. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. We appreciate it, Sandy. All right, so what's your what's your story? Same thing? So a female shepherd mix all the crotches out of our underwear and leggings and ate the insoles of all our shoes wow. except for my son, who was going through puberty at the time. And right. he was Let's, let's pause for just a moment. You said our you said our underwear and and so, all of them. Me, me and my girl. <laughs> but only the girls. That's my question. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, just the girls. But everybody shoes. Everybody. Okay. Okay. Well, that's yeah. a whole other. Yeah. That got makes a foot sense. <laughs> yeah, got a, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the dog. My time for camping, and none of us had shoes left except for my son. Okay. That is so wild, right, especially thanks. the eating the crotch out. Yeah. Oh wow, man! So, so yeah, we don't know what to to do about it. I mean, you just wear crotchless underwear. You try not to end up with laundry on the floor yeah. and, and put it in the in the basket. You he can't put it get be, into the basket. But. You just have to put it behind a closed door somewhere. Yeah. You know. Well, here's the deal. I, I, it, I say in the house. I tell people you are always running a liability if you have something that you've worn and you sweat in yeah. and you leave it on the floor. Just raise it up somewhere, yeah. and you'll you'll be you'll be okay. Yeah. So we had, uh, you know, the dog with the, you know, the feminine hygiene products. Right. Uh, so we had to, well, I got a, a, a trash can with a lid on it. And then that idiot figured out how to lift the lid with a snout. That's what and they do. So now we, <laughs> have to creative. Put, we have to put it on top of the toilet, which I hate. Right. Uh, it's just aesthetically, it just doesn't look good. But, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, Press, we have a giant wicker laundry basket that we use that I think you guys might have to employ that because it's it's so big yeah. that there's no way Rook would be able to get into it. Uh, I'm going to go Matt. Matt, you're on the air. Good morning. Who would have thought bitches in a Hall of Fame? Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Casey. Nope. We'll get into it. I had a Yorkie 
years before, uh, like, cell phones, so, like, you know, easy, like, uh, filming and all that. Yeah. Dude, my wife would keep her, like, stuff on in the corner on the floor. He would, like, make love to her <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> so... We got, I mean, he was, like, moaning. You go after me, like, growl. And he was, like, the nicest dog. Like, he really loved those moist underwear, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, my God, dear God. <laughs> I mean, the, moist panties. Yeah, the, the kind you'd have to wring out. Oh, yeah. Kathy's two favorite so, words back to back. Yeah, right? You know, balls, they get a little sweaty, but they don't get moist. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, right. So That's, wife, now you're quoting uh, Walt Whitman. This guy is spitting <laughs> wisdom right now. So she got a she got a basket with a basket. It was probably like three foot high. Dude, he jumped into the wicker basket. We couldn't find him. <laughs> he jumped into the hamper. Yorkies can wow. jump. Wow! Yeah. He found the basket. Yeah. Oh my god, it was hilarious. That is something. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, bud. Jumping into the hamper. Dogs person. are just dogs are just horny, man. Uh-huh. Very much so. Just. Very much. Well, and, and the Yorkies are obsessive. My sister-in-law yeah. had a Yorkie, and you guys might remember this, but remember he used to lick the bottom of the wall, like just above the molding, and he would go the perimeter of the room, no matter what house he was in, the shore house, their house at home, if they would bring him over to, you know, her parents' house or whatever. And it was, I mean, it got so disgusting, and it was so obsessive that there was a line. They'd have to paint their, Kathy, their living my, room my, my every cat so often. Oscar li- licks Above the stop, you know, the door stop in the bathroom yeah. licks the painted wall above that. He has a particular spot. I'm like, so what in the F is <laughs> with that? I got two male dogs. One is fixed. One's not. And they both, like, hump each other. Oh, wait. Yeah. Why it, do you? How come you didn't get the one fixed? Because uh, I wanted to make another one of them. I love them so How's much. How's that going? Uh, well, I actually had a bitch for him. Uh, but wasn't able to uh, make the connection. But I do have a bitch, uh, a dame, if you will. Wait, what do you mean they weren't able to it make means the connection? He, he puts on a dog outfit. <laughs> it was just a matter of like I, we couldn't when get she together. was in heat. Reggie, I, I want to feel you. I couldn't get him to her, and you know yeah. they, they they have to meet and, and and like each other and mingle a and little date. bit. I'm going to bring him down to the Regal Beagle, and they're just going to you know have a. The have a regal of, beagle. <laughs> that's where they mingle. I don't know. When I hear the word mingle, I just think of regal beagle. Okay. But uh, anyway, Kathy, uh, I, have two, I have two male dogs, and they hump each other. Like, uh, <laughs> And the one, Reg, with the balls, he will just... He, he, like, walks and humps at the same time. He's kind of, like, dancing a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Please get video. I'm going to go to Jeremy. Hi, Jeremy. You're on. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up, Ed? I'm starting to get worried because I hear about all these females getting their underwear eaten. <laughs> yep. I have four female dogs, and they only touch my underwear. Really? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Do they eat it, or are they just sniffing at it? No, I have a great Dane, and she'll walk up, and the whole entire crotch is eaten out. Wow. Oh, my God. So four female dogs, they only eat your under. Is there a, a woman in the house? Yeah, my wife's in the house. I have three daughters. Yeah. All right. So, Jeremy, me, man. Uh, do you, are, are you working out in these underwear? Is it leaving a lot of sweat? I, I work construction. Okay. Do you ever dip right. your nuts in Gaines Burgers? <laughs> what about skid marks? <laughs> No, gravy train would be better. <laughs> right, because it makes gravy. It makes gravy, yeah. yeah. With the sweat. Uh, what'd you ask, Case? What about skid marks? I mean... Oh, yeah. Dogs are... I use wet wipes, man. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, the guy, good. you sound like you're doing all the right things, but listen, when a, when a Great Dane wants to eat your underwear, you let them do it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, the world may never know, Jeremy. You should do a sniff test. You should have your uh, your underwear and the ladies' underwear and lay it all out and see if they uh, uh, see if she goes down yeah, like right. a buffet, on, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look what arrived. This is great. This is like country kitchen. All right, well, hang on a second. Now we're now we're getting calls of this happening to men. I'll go to okay. Connie. Hey, Connie. Good morning. Good morning. Hey. I had a Rhodesian Ridgeback, 117 pounds. Ate the crotch out of my underwear, my husband's underwear, my daughter's. But the funny story is he had a pair of gym shorts hanging on the back of the bathroom. He put them on, went to the gym. And guy came up to him and said, hey, dude, you're missing the whole ass out of your underwear. <laughs> <laughs> he out of that gym and got And, uh... Yeah, he said, no, Con, I thought it was kind of breezy, and I didn't think too much of it. And the guy goes, hey, you know, no answer. Let me ask you, Connie, was he commando, or did he have underwear underneath? Yeah, he, no, he was commando. Oh, my God! He was commando. Yep. The dog ate the ass out of his gym shorts, and he yep. didn't know. And, to be, and, and let me tell you, I told the screener, I said, I pulled more of my underwear and my daughter's underwear out of his behind when wow. he would walk him. He would poop out a pair of underwear. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, you know, that's... Thanks, Connie. That's yeah. so wild. I mean, you, uh, listen, that can, that can hurt a dog substantially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a, an elastic strap on the top of your underwear. Somebody texted and said, put mothballs in the hamper. but it That'll destroy your tuxedo. Yeah, but that's... Um, <laughs> Mothballs, I would imagine. Aren't they poisonous? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah they so are. You don't, you don't, yeah, you don't want that. Try doing that just in case they might. Uh, How about molten milk balls? Eat those well. <laughs> <laughs> nah, they got choppers. Yeah, 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 for a dog. Yeah. Uh, let's go over next. He's balls. To Corey. Hey, Corey, good morning. Gadzooks. Gadzooks. Corey, what's happening? So, my fiance had this pitbull Reese's, and he used to always eat the crotch out of her underwear, but only the nice ones. Really? Not only the cheap ones. Huh. <laughs> oh. He oh. knew which ones to go for. The dog liked fine dining. Yes. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, yeah, it was very sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, yeah so only your finest underwear for table seven. The ones that Rochelle's uh, that get eaten, I think, are the nicer, more right. uh, lacier, more showier ones, I think. Uh, do you feel a little left uh, out that they're not, e- they're not eating your underwear? No. Okay. no I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> feel left out at all. I feel bad for her because it pisses her off. So. Well, like it may be, oh, that's fun or that's oh that's so bizarre but when you are losing pair after pair after pair and i know we've we've mentioned it even a few times in this conversation but when i would see one of the dogs with a used tampon in the mouth would be like oh my god it's gone from your cute little buddy to a horrible hell beast well that happened to me when i was a kid when I had a sleepover, I had like all of my friends over, and you guys would get into the tampons. Yeah, no, my dog came down <laughs> the steps with a giant tampon in his mouth. I got into the tampons again last. Remember the boxer, my cousin's boxer that ate my tampon and yeah. fully swallowed it oh. into his stomach. They were at a barbecue. Um, I left that day. She took the dog to her friend's barbecue, and he threw up. And they were making steaks on the grill. Oh, and so the man. guy who was hosting the barbecue thought it was a steak, and he was like, "Oh my god, I think she got into the steak." And he was like, picked it up off the ground, and the then has a string. Yeah, and then pulled the string and was like, "Oh my god!" And my cousin knew, so she called me and she's like, "Hey, just want to let you know, Lexi ate your tampon." Oh my god! Oh, my Every god. part of that story is disgusting. <laughs> uh-huh. so, no. What do you uh, mean? <laughs> I'll go to Scott next. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Happy birthday to you too, Preston. Oh, you're so welcome, Scott. What's up? <laughs> is it your birthday, Scott? No, no. Oh, I don't know. What's uh, up, man? I bought my wife a black lab, and uh, 
since she was a puppy until she passed away, she would eat anything that had to do with Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Panties. I bought my wife a gift card for Christmas. I hid it all the way under the tree. That little bitch snuck <laughs> underneath the tree, didn't move any presents, grabbed the box that the gift card was in, and tore it to hell. So there was something about... Victoria's, Victoria's Secret. Secret. Yeah. Victoria's, it, you, you can put a, bra, a Kmart bra, a Walmart <laughs> bra, a dollar store bra. She didn't want nothing to do with it. That's Of course, my yeah. dollar Victoria's Secret. We're eating. Only the best. I wonder if for a, for a gift card... If any of some some kind of the perfume that maybe this store uses or yeah, maybe. something but, has, but even even after the, the the bras and underwear and everything <laughs> were washed, it didn't matter as long didn't as matter. it was Victoria's Secrets. She ate the hell out of it. Well, wow. Do you think the dog would have gone for Fredericks of Hollywood? Huh. Well, well, she she cheaper, almost got a cheaper. hold of my wife's Manolo Blahniks, and yeah, that was almost death. What's what that? The shoes. Yes, shoes, Kathy. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. All right, thanks, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Has very specific yes. tastes. Specific tastes. I'm not going to eat a Kmart bra. Uh, somebody texted in. Victoria's Secret. Here, here's a couple things. You can use citrus air freshener in the lid and the bottom of the hamper, and that will work. Uh, Google says spray Febreze in and around the hamper as well, and yeah. that might deter uh, the dog from going after your What about underwear? filling up your underwear with oranges? That could, how could yeah. that not help? I mean, if it's going to be all citrusy and whatnot. Um, so you look a little lumpy today, Ed. Hang on, here's another one. Let me let me go to. Uh, we got to take another call, and we're going to probably take a break. I'm going to go to Anthony. Yo, Anthony. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, what's Hello. up, buddy? Uh, not much. Hey, uh, yeah. So it's kind of funny. Maybe it's a thing with Black Labs that love uh, Victoria's Secret underwear. My uh, my my wife had. Um, you know, my, my dog went downstairs and was going through the dirty laundry, and he pulled out a pair of uh, panties, um, black Victoria's Secret panties. The dog ate the panties, um, unbeknownst to us at the time. Uh, we had to rush him to the vet because he stops eating food. Come yeah. to find out, the lace in the in the panties attaches to his gut <gasps> and travels through his intestines and cuts his intestines in, like, four different spots. Ooh. And then therein oh, yeah. lies the risk when you have sure. fabric and things with, you know, mm -hmm. that, that kind of capability going through your dog's system. Yeah, they said the, the nylon ended up being like almost like a razor blade in his gut. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it ended up costing us $8,000 in surgeries to have this thing oh removed. Because your dog life. likes to eat underwear. For well, five days. well, God bless you for doing it. Anthony, did he give up underwear after that? Uh, you know, um, we, we just kind of secured the door to the basement so he can <laughs> kind of get down into them. But, Good idea. Uh, he, he, he doesn't give them up easily. He, wow. He's uh, he's a big fan. Wow. <laughs> all right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Jeez. Yeah, it's uh, so. All right. Uh, thank you for at least concurring. Uh, maybe we'll try using the Febreze spray thing as a, uh, a deterrent. But it usually happens. Like in quick order, like Rochelle might be changing real quick and, you know, leave some of her clothes on the floor. And she's taking a shower and then come back and he's. He's gotten into the underwear and, and eaten the crotch out. No bras get eaten, though. Have you noticed that? No, no bras. Yeah, yeah. Just the underwear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a break. Thank you for your calls, by the way. Uh, we appreciate that. We'll be back in a second. Stay put. Did you know you can listen to all of WMMR's podcasts as well as our live stream on your Alexa-enabled device? It's easy. Just say, Alexa, open MMR. 
Hey, Window Nation brings the best of the home show savings right into your home. You can get two free windows with every two you buy with no limit, plus pay no interest for 60 months. Go to windownation.com slash home show and use their free virtual visualizer to see how their window options will look on your home. But hurry, these once a year home show savings end soon. Get two windows free with every two you buy and pay no interest for five full years. Call today, 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com slash home show. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We have a guest who we are delighted to speak to this morning, and uh, he and his band have done amazing things throughout the years, uh, especially been such a massive impression on one Mr. Nick McElwain right here <laughs> in our very own studio. Uh, but he also does amazing work outside of music, and that's one of the things we're going to talk to him about. Please welcome from the Van Pearl Jam, Mr. Jeff Amen. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, how you doing, man? Uh, it's going pretty good. It's still, still a little early in the West Coast, but, uh, but <laughs> I got it. Hey, thank you so much for getting up early. Listen, I yeah. want to get this out of the way because I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Ament, ament, ament. What do you prefer? It, it, it's 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 ament. Ament. Okay. Which, uh, I think there's been some confusion over the years. I think uh, my name has been pronounced many different ways from the stage, and I think that's been a confusion. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, it's like Carmine Apiece, you know, the drummer. Uh, the people right, can't get his right. name right for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. Hey, listen, um, Jeff, we had a conversation a week or two ago. I had found an article that was talking about skateboarding, and I yep. just brought it up as kind of a, a quick, hey, you know, take a listen to this. And it turned out to a lengthy conversation with people calling in. And the gist of it was... Um, that um, there was a guy that was recommending um, that people in their, you know, mid, middle age range, uh, you know, 40s and 50s and so on, uh, to combat uh, things like depression and loneliness, try skateboarding. We got so many phone calls from people who were almost choked up in telling us what this activity means to them. And does that come to any surprise to you? No, uh, no, it doesn't. Um, I, you know, I think I've been asking myself for the last twenty years, like, why am I still doing this? <laughs> because I'm almost, I'm approaching sixty. Um, but there is like a, there is a joy and a focus and a freedom that you feel when you're on your skateboard, and it's a little bit dangerous, so that 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 adds a little something to it too. But um, and, and there's there's a there's a camaraderie of the people that I've met, like all over the world, that that do it. It's it feels like it's a feels like it's kind of a small group um and a, a lot of the people my age that still skateboard uh grew up with punk rock and and kind of all the things that sort of got me out of where i am at this point in my life and um so there's a lot to talk about you know there's a you know you talk to somebody from the netherlands uh you know who's 50 something skateboarding and he was listening to the same music that I was listening to in Big Sandy, Montana, which is kind of a cool thing. So. Well, yeah. everything everything you're mentioning was echoed, as Preston said, by by the callers who were, were, were revealing some had gone through some issues, you know, recently or whatever, got back to it. There was one guy who picked it up. He was in his 50s, never skateboarded before, wow. but wow. but loved it. And I think there is that there's there for some it's nostalgia for, for others. Uh, and a lot of people mentioned the, the just the the joy of kind of gliding, of of moving along that way, of that uh, that sense of freedom. Whatever it was, and whatever it continues to be, it speaks to people. Obviously, 
what you do, you're uh, very much involved in in making the skateboard parks accessible to to kids. Because obviously, uh, as you hear this and see this, th- that foundation with these older gentlemen was and, and and women was set, you know, many years ago. And here you have a whole bunch of new people who are embracing it. So, when did this when did this become a mission statement for you? To, to get out there and to make this a more accessible thing for kids? Well, it, it, it's, it's, it started uh, probably 25 years ago with the skate park in Seattle. And um, as time has gone on, it's just sort of built and built and built. And it's, it's been real natural. It hasn't, uh, you know, I, there really wasn't a point until maybe three or four years ago where I was like, okay, like, let's, let's have some goals and let's, um, Let's start talking to some people and let's get some let's get some more things done. Let's get more people involved. Let's try to raise some money, different different things. Um, and I think, you know, it's like anything that you get involved with, like the more you get involved with it, uh, the more people that you meet, the more excited you get about it. And it just sort of um, it's just sort of built into this really cool um, collective uh in my home state and it's put me back in touch with people that I grew up with and it's uh connected me with all these small towns in a very large state and it's gotten me just sort of around the state a little bit more. And it's, uh, it's, and, and, and I don't, and my wife and I don't have kids, so it's, it's been a really great way to be connected to young people and find out what, what's going on, you know, what's TikTok and all that. (laughs) Right. for those so. who may not be familiar with with what you've done, Jeff has has created and paid for uh, twenty seven uh, high end skate parks. And the number may be different than that, but that's the latest that I've seen in Montana and and some in South Dakota and and so on uh, through a foundation that you set up. And I love the fact that you are putting these. Montana is such a beautiful state. It's gorgeous. It's big sky country, and it's big sky because. There's not a lot of stuff in areas. It's a, it's a lot of frontier. And so, therefore, um, the skate park is like a um, – it, it, it's a uh, more of a metropolis type thing. It's what you, what you find in populated areas. They're going to be more common. So you've reached out uh, to these smaller communities and built what might be considered a, a bit of a luxury item uh, for people. So that's really got to open up the doors uh, for some people. Was that – uh, is that part of what's important about this, getting it out to those further communities? Yeah, I think, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in Big Sandy, which is super, super isolated. Like we were, we were, you know, 35 miles from a town of 10,000 and we were 85 miles from a town of 50,000. So we were, we were sort of out in the middle of, uh, and it's beautiful there. There's like the Bear Paw Mountains and the Missouri River where Lewis and Clark hung out and there's, a, you know, amazing history in that area. Um, but um, I think it was, you know, this has been a way to sort of connect uh, these young kids in these isolated areas with, you know, like some a world-class skate park. Um, it, it sort of connects them with the rest of the world. I mean, they, they, these kids all have phones and all have access to what's going on in the rest of the world. And I think in some ways that can make you lonelier. Um, yeah. You know, I think I, I was sort of, I was... I felt that way as a kid, and that was from getting, like, you know, a couple of magazines a month. So if you're getting reminded every day on your phone that, you know, Kim Kardashian and, (laughs) (laughs) you know, know, whatever, you know, know, whatever, just, like, wealth and people that have, you know, everything and are handsome and beautiful and (laughs) – and um and this this is just a way to bring like I, I know all these guys I, I know the guys in Grindline and Dreamland these guys that build these skate parks 
and I've been working with Evergreen the last 10 years. And so we're building as good of a skate park as you'd see in New York City. We're building those parks in Montana. And so, or in Philadelphia, for that matter. You know, it's it's um, so. it's amazing because I remember clearly when um, you know this is you know when when the the skateboarding stuff kicked in again. You know, we were um, our show was you know uh, uh, on an alternative rock station, uh, and um, you know, and it was just the beginning of. Uh, um, you know, seeing the signs of a catch on, and then you saw the jackass folks, and you saw, you yeah, know, Tony Hawk, Tony and, X Hawk games and, and X that, Games. Yeah. All that started to kick in, and and again, it just. I, I think it as you as you're saying, Jeff, it immediately resonated with all sorts of people who might, in their own way, feel isolated, and this community kicked up, and it's obviously as as stood the test of time. Uh, but also, there's so many things when we were talking to the the callers who were calling, and they were mentioning. About the, the the lessons that it teaches you about uh, it's it, it's not it can't get any more obvious that when you fall down you need to get back up and uh, all yeah. of these things help inform a way someone can approach life. Yeah, yeah, that 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 to me is the biggest lesson. Like if you, I mean, you you have to fall over and over and over and over again to learn a trick, and and so um, you know it's ama- it's amazing to watch these kids take a ride like some of these communities we, we bring skateboards in and they you see them take their first rides and you can tell by the kid that falls and laughs and gets back up and goes to the top and does it again you can tell that that's the kid who in a year or two you're going to come back and he's just going to be tearing the place up yeah and um that's that's been the amazing thing like there's a few parks that you know a park we built in browning on the blackfeet reservation uh seven years ago there's there's a crew of kids there. There's there's this core crew of kids. There's seven or eight guys, and they are the tightest, coolest crew that I've I've ever witnessed. It's like you know, it's how you wished you grew up and you had like these seven guys that had your back, and they and they talk about heavy stuff, and they they're so grown up and so functional um, as a as a as a crew, and um, I, you know, it's I'm just proud of those kids that. They sort of found each other through skateboarding and, and you know, the lessons they learned through, you know, falling and getting up and talking to each other and hanging out. So, Speaking of, uh, of falling and, and getting up, and uh, you said you're getting close to 60, uh, you have a European tour uh, with Pearl Jam. Will you taper off your skateboarding a couple of months <laughs> before that <laughs> to make sure that no unfortunate accident happens? You know, the key is the key to all this stuff at this point in my life is that you got to keep doing it, but you just learn to like, you know, if you're feeling great, you can step it up and skate harder and do a few tricks. And if you're not feeling great, or if you have a tour coming up <laughs> and you can just sort of dial it back and cruise. And, um, and I, I, I wear some pads and helmet and all that at wrist guard. Um, so right. I mean, I hope we go to Europe. I mean, what the hell's going on with this virus? I mean, I, I you know, right. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then. Uh, speaking of yeah. the band, Ed, do do any of them have they skated? Or are they? Uh, I know that you know Ed the surfs as part of his uh, his life. Um, anybody else into skating sports? You know, I think all those guys skated at one time or another. Um, huh. And Mike still skates a little bit because um, mm-hmm. he's he's got a couple kids that love to skateboard. So I, I've set him up for the board. Um, so yeah, you know they you know they they understand it they, and I, you know. At this point, like, 
no, nobody's gonna nobody's gonna tell each other that they can't do something. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Why waste the effort, Jeff? That's if right. if communities are are interested in getting assistance from uh, you and your foundation, uh, what are the steps they need to take? Um, and you know, because you can only do so much. But uh, w- what can people do to reach out and maybe try to get something in their community? Uh, well, there, we have a website, uh, montanapoolservice.com. Um, you can reach us through there. Um, and, if, and if people are super excited about it, they can donate there, too. Um, but we the ne- we actually have the next two years kind of wrapped up. We have, uh, I think, five or six parks uh, happening this year and then uh, four parks penciled in for 23. So um, it's pretty exciting. You know, it's like I said, it's, re- it's really just turned into this, you know, I mean, it's like a, you know, like a part-time job for me almost. <laughs> wow, that's cool. How, how many years is, has this been active? Uh, it's been really active for about ten years. Um, we we when we built a, a park in Big Sandy. Well, we built a park in Missoula about fifteen years ago. But when we built a park in my hometown ten years ago, it started to pick up after that. So. Cool. Uh, so, uh, Jeff Preston mentioned the European tour, and uh, it's still kind of weird times. Nobody quite knows how to plan too, too uh, terribly far in advance. But you guys had, in 2020, on the slate, a North American tour. I was uh, planning yeah. on coming to see you in Phoenix, and then that got blew up. So, um, are there plans afoot for possibly a North American tour, uh, especially in a town like, I don't know, Philadelphia for this <laughs> fall? Right. We, I mean, we have all sorts of stuff penciled in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we sort of talk about this stuff every two or three weeks, and and Ed, Ed's got a tour. He's going to go out on here in a couple of weeks, so he's going to be the guinea pig for it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's going nice. to see how it goes and, you know, how the testing goes and all that stuff. So um, uh, we did the four shows, you know, this last just a few months ago, and that, I mean, it was so much fun, and it was so great just to be with the guys and the crew and see some pans and and so you know we're you know I, I've never been like like I love playing but I've never I haven't been the the guy in the band who's just like wanting to go tour for the whole year and I, I I can't wait like I'm I'm really I'm really ready to get out and I, mean, I haven't been to the East Coast in two years which is you know I'm Jones and <laughs> right now. Come and get it, man. It's yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm ready. I'm... Jeff, with, with your band, with, with with your extensive catalog, and the way you guys uh, tour, I mean, sometimes it'll just, you know, be a handful of dates here and there and so on. And Ed, from what I understand, just kind of puts together a playlist and says, you know, kind of here, here's, what, here's what I'm feeling, here's what we're going to play. Are you kind of a plug-in-and-go kind of band? Like, you've worked so long together that really a full-on rehearsal isn't even that necessary. You just plug it in. Here we go. I think we could kind of do that now. Um, before these uh, four shows last fall, um, we did a we did we we rehearsed for about ten days, and mostly it was rehearsing the new songs, um, just because there's a lot of keyboards and background vocals and percussion, just weird weird you know stuff that um, we kind of haven't had. So, um, and we hadn't played in you know three four years or something like that. So, um, I think now we could probably you know, have two or three rehearsals and kind of get out there and knock it out. And then once, once we get out there, you, you, you just keep digging into the back catalog and, yeah. you know, people will bring up song titles and you work on it in the hotel room and then you get a, you get backstage and you get to play it once or twice. And then, yeah. 
Well, that's what I like about your. Yeah, that's what I like about your band. Um, you know, and I think Rolling Stone did a cool article on you guys a few years back, just sort of likening you guys and your following to the Grateful Dead in the sense that you know when you, when you do you know a show. The general fan there is is just as excited to hear the the radio hit as they are to hear like a deep uh, track off of uh, an album that you know most people don't know, and and so your your following uh, is really really dialed into uh, you know your entire catalog. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's one of the beautiful things about it. you know still being in the band at this point thirty years on is that we do have this crazy back catalog and it kind of keeps us on our toes. And pretty much anywhere we go, there's there's signs up for you know, we, you know, just really really deep cuts like you know the cuts <laughs> that we've played like three times or whatever. And so, um, I you know I I love that part of it. I, I you know I I don't think I could be in a band at this point where you're just playing the the 20 hits every night over and over and over again. But with that, with that rabid fan base about the, the brand new stuff, do you still have, you know, bathroom song, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm curious because it seems like you're, you know, uh, sometimes bands will play a brand new song and then you'll see a quarter of the audience leave because they're not interested in the brand new stuff. But it seems like your group, well, they just don't go to the bathroom. They just stand there and soil themselves. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's probably some people that, you know, I think sometimes the new songs take a few years, you know, like um, to sort of rise to the top, you know. We we don't even know at this point, like, what songs off the last record, you know, will be ones that we play, you know, more often than not, so. Yeah, I, I know you guys were excited to play stuff off of uh, uh, Gigaton on the last tour, and then it, it, that had to get shelved. Um, but I also wanted to ask you, while we have you on the phone, and, and I wanted to pass on uh, greetings from uh, your buddy Matt Cord, your thoughts on um, <laughs> your thoughts on uh, the Sixers, and in particular the Ben Simmons situation. Man, like they just got a, they just got a deal, Ben Simmons. Like, what's what's Daryl doing? Like, you know, <laughs> nobody wants him. Like, or not for the not for the. It's just a you know. CJ McCollum. What's that? I say I said CJ McCollum would be a great fit. I, I mean, I I heard I heard a bunch of names like that seemed like they'd be it'd be good trades. Um, and they're and they're doing pretty well without him. So that that part of it's um they got to be excited about that. I mean. Well, yeah, he is a beast and and his he's had just an amazing run of his last like eight, nine, ten games or whatever. But it's frustrating because, you know, as a fan, as an outsider sort of looking in, you're like, well, this is what the guy's worth. Right. And then the other owners and GMs are going, no, he's not. You know, he's not. He's not where, you know, and so it's just this 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 back and forth, you know, as a as an outsider. It's like this. This is uh, this is an easy deal, is it not? I mean, look at this is a. You know, six ten, six eleven guy who can handle the ball like a point guard, and you know dishes it out. But it's you know, it's I guess there's a lot more to it than what you know is, I'm, is I'm it, privy to. Is there something to be said for having a, a player on your team who can actually sign autographs during the game? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's 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 a, he's, a fra- he's clearly a fragile dude. So yeah, um, I think that's the part that people are probably a little leery about, but. Yeah, and you know what? Listen, there, there's that aspect of it that we just don't understand as, you know, as everyday people. You don't, And we had uh, Chris Long on our show a couple of days ago, and, you know, he played in the NFL for a number of years, and he just talked about yeah. the, 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 the immense pressure that these athletes feel, and, and we'll never understand that, right? We don't play in front of, yeah. you know, and, and 
Well, let me ask you about that. Uh, as, a, as a musician, you know, and you've been doing this for a long, long time, do you still get butterflies when you walk onto the stage um, in front of whether it be, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, especially when you're playing stuff for the first time and, you know, if you have a featured part or if you're, you know, you know, you're the, if you're the glue of the, of the song and your performance, like, you know, the... <laughs> The success of the performance hinges on what you're doing, like that's for sure. And, and I always say, like, yeah, it doesn't seem like much with bass, but when you miss a note playing bass, the whole crowd knows it. <laughs> guitar, guitar, guitars can get up there and sort of scratch around and miss some notes, and nobody notices. But it's like you, you really can't. Like, if you're the singer, and if you're playing bass, and if you're the drummer, like yeah. if you're just hacking up there. Like, um, but yeah, I, you know, I think it's different in the pros pro sports because those those guys are like 20 years old you know like they're you know young yeah super young yeah so, yeah uh, listen i'm coaching I, I coach basketball i coach my son's team a bunch of 14 year old kids they're not playing in front of twenty thousand people but you you'll see them uh pass on an open shot because and i tell them like dude just take the shot take the shot you know right. michael jordan said it himself you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take, right? So, like, just take it, right. and, and let's not worry about whether it goes in or not. Just just take an open shot, and I don't ever want to see you guys pass an open shot again. But, uh, you know, and and so that's a 14-year-old kid. You know, Ben Simmons and all these guys, they're, they're six years old. They're, well, they're six-year-old, but, yeah. but they're still, you know, yeah. it's a fragile mind. Yeah. I think it's just reminding yourself, too, that you're playing. You know, they call it playing music. They call it playing sports. Like, yeah. you have to play. Yeah. And yeah. I think... And and don't put you know it's like, you know you're you're not performing heart surgery here you know nobody's hopefully nobody's gonna die yeah they, ne- yeah. they never say do you want to play heart sports. surgery yeah. well <laughs> I mean it's yeah. supposed to be fun you right. know right. It's, it's supposed to be right. fun for you guys it's supposed to be fun for the audience I didn't get to see yeah. any of the uh, the four shows last year Jeff the the uh, festival shows um, and so I didn't get a chance to see you guys play with with Josh yet Josh Klinghoffer uh, what has yeah. that been like and and um, you know he's a, he's a new member of the band. Uh, but he's played with Ed in the past. So, what was it like for you having essentially a new member of Pearl Jam? Yeah, I, I just I've loved Josh forever. Like um, uh, the handful of times that I've seen him with Chili Peppers over the years, like we would have these. I think we sort of enjoy the same kind of weird um, eclectic music. Like he's he's way into like the the no wave scene in New York and a lot of weird jazz and ambient music. And so we have these great conversations about that stuff. I I just I just love him. He sort of brought a, a, a super cool energy to what we're doing, and we, and we really love his, his Plural One records. That we, you know, initially we were just excited to have um, him out playing with us, um, and then when we started hanging out, um, he was like, "Hey, I could I could sing that part, or I could do this." And he's a, you know, crazy good musician, can you know, play keyboards, drums, whatever. So. Um, it's just it's just been fun. it's just been fun to have a it's like a new infusion of energy into the band and uh, and he's 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 easy you know easy to get along with so so he's going to be with uh, with Ed uh, uh, when he does his uh, solo shows coming up yeah. uh, Chad Smith on on that tour as well we just played um, the new track Brother of the Cloud like um, forty five minutes ago or so have you spent any time with uh, with Ed's new album. I, I just got the whole record yesterday, so okay. I just heard "Brother of the Cloud." Uh, I heard it once yesterday, um, which is kind of a, kind of a heavy number from what I could gather. I didn't I didn't uh, look at the lyrics, but um, yeah, <laughs> I mean Ed will Ed will's you know 
whenever I hear you know first lyrics from Ed, it's it's all, that it, a lot of times there's always a couple lines that hit me pretty deep, and uh, that that was definitely one of them. So did I they mean, uh, they I send you the record? I can't wait to see it then. Did they send you the record, or did you have to go out to uh, buy it? <laughs> <laughs> I got a disc. I got a ten percent off. Oh, you're in the band, you get ten percent off. I used to know people like that. I, I, I love that you that you dove right into lyrically what was being said because I can listen to a song for years uh-huh. and not tell you what the song is about. <laughs> um, right. it, but is that because you know it, Ed, Ed is the wordsmith and, and you'll gravitate towards that because it's mainly him that you're uh, paying attention to, or is that what the way you are with music when when you'll uh, take it in usually the first time you'll you'll pay attention to the whole thing musically lyrically the whole message. Well, I think as a kid, you know, I, when I bought records, I mean, you know, and it was one of those things where you bought a record once a month, you know. Yeah. Um, but but it was like you open the package up, and the first time that you listen to it, you you read along the lyrics, and I and I think I think to this day that's sort of how I prefer to listen to music for the first time if I can actually just like put my headphones on and just sort of read the lyrics as the song's going by. Um, um, and, and and you know, I mean. I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a band with like one of the great, you know, singers, lyricists, you know, of our time. And so I'm always curious, like what you know, because he's he's always kind of shifting, you know, he's shifting his style, and and I'm always curious on, on you know where he's headed. So, um, I you know, I I don't have the lyrics for. I need to get the lyrics to the new record. All right, I, okay, I, yeah. Uh, let me ask you, um, as a as a musician, uh, what are and by the way, I love uh, the Cameron Crowe documentary uh, Twenty Five. It was just awesome, and I, I don't you know know what your thoughts are on that. But what are your what are your thoughts and feelings on musical documentaries in general? And is, is there anyone to, uh, that that sticks out to you? I love I love all that stuff. I, I and I, I read all the <clears throat> every rock biography, autobiography. I read all okay. that stuff. Um, I just read the Nico, who's in uh, Velvet Underground. I just read that um, biography, which is fascinating uh, book about you know mostly about the New York scene. But her background was like crazy too. Um, was, but the Velvet Underground documentary was amazing. Like so much stuff. I mean, I thought I knew a lot about the Velvet Underground, but I. That was a I, uh, that was a band that I wasn't necessarily familiar with until Fish covered yeah. it. Uh, they covered um, it on Halloween a few years back, so I listened to Fish's version first, and then I was like, "All right, well, let yeah. me go back and see what this is all about." And they're definitely a darling of of critics. other other yeah. of critics and, and bands right. of other yeah. bands and yeah. other musicians. So, what is it about Velvet Underground that does it for you? Uh, I just think their approach to music was was uh, probably less of a musician's. Uh, angle on music and it was an artist it was like sort of uh painting outside the lines and the, the not and no rules and i think they you know in the in, in the process they sort of created their own sound and um influenced a, a ton of bands you know um do you guys ever cover <laughs> velvet underground uh, we did, uh, when, when Lou, we, we were friendly with Lou Reed and when he passed, we did, uh, waiting for the man. All right. Times. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, I was curious if you saw, uh, the Beatles, uh, the let it be, uh, Peter. Oh Jones. my God. Yeah. yeah right. I, 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 I want to watch it again. That, that, um, let it be was the first album I ever bought. And, wow. and my uncle growing up was a huge Beatles head and he would let me borrow his singles. And, uh. And so I was, I, I've always been pretty obsessed with that record. Um, 
And so to go that deep and to see and to see their process and to see basically Paul McCartney's eyes roll back in his head and mm-hmm. just like just create these songs out of the ether, yeah. like you know, yeah. like you know, the other guys are on the other side of the room working on a tune, and he's he's there like <laughs> strumming around working on Let It Be, and it turns out to be Let It Be, you know? Yeah. And then there's a scene where he's just kind of scatting along, and and very slowly it becomes get back, and and it's like yeah, the birth. It, it, I <laughs> I saw it happen, and you know, and I was curious about because everybody's got their own style, and maybe they got to a point of leisure by the time they got to let it be because they were the Beatles and they could do what they wanted to, but that whole super loose, just kind of farting around in the studio and just playing and not really having a direction seemed kind of weird to me. Now, I know that earlier on in their career, you know, they only they only had X amount of hours in the studio. We got to get in. We got to knock this out. We got to do this now. But they just kind of played. And by that, I mean like children playing with toys. And I found that kind of surprising. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I think you know I, I I sort of relate to that part a little bit because in particular early on that was kind of how Pearl Jam wrote songs. You know, somebody might come in with a, a riff or something, but we sort of made stuff out of nothing. And and so to watch the Beatles do that, <laughs> and in particular Paul, like you could tell George and John worked on stuff at home, and they would they would bring it in right. um, and have it kind of semi worked out. But Paul was just like. <laughs> And, and I, I've read some stuff since I watched it. I bought the lyrics book or whatever. Uh, actually, my wife got it for me for Christmas. Um, and he, that's his deal, man. He he wants, he, he doesn't want to prepare. He wants, he wants to feel that, you know, that energy coursing through his body when he's creating. He wants to create stuff out of nothing. And, and, uh yeah, I, it, I just to me, it's like witnessing like a miracle or something. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's, it's like it's really like it's 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 always been sort of my religion and my my God and whatever. And so to to see it on film, to see like to see those songs kind of coming out of nothing, is, was just so magical. So yeah, so I, I was like standing up, going like, "Oh my God!" Like <laughs> yeah. He's, He's writing Let It Be over there. there was, uh, <laughs> all things must pass with George over here, but but he's so cool. Yeah, yeah. and and so, I, listen, I know you guys just released an album like a year ago, but when you watch something like that, do you go, I think I want to get back in the studio with these guys. Like, do, do, you, do you feel any sort of inspiration? For sure. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, 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 there's nothing better for me than being in the studio with the guys when everybody's like, all in on it, you know, like if everybody's like focused on being there and making music, it's sort of the best thing in life. So, um, I just sit around the phone all day <laughs> talking to us. <laughs> well, well, listen, man, what's, you know, there's a lot of things to be excited about. There's great work you're doing, uh, with the skate parks. Uh, Thanks. we're excited about the potential for the band getting on the road, maybe swinging by the East coast, stopping in Philly and all that. Uh, of course, Ed's yeah. got shows coming up. They're, they're getting, they're close to here, but not right in our backyard, but nonetheless, uh, fans of, of both he and, and Pearl Jam can, uh, can go check him out. Out. So you know we're just working on the the world getting back to the way it should be and and hopefully you guys will uh, you and your band will be a big part of of coming through Philly and, and giving us something to be excited about. So but we we just appreciate yeah. your, your time uh, and checking in with us, Jeff. Well, thanks you guys. Uh, you know we look forward to being in Philly again. Hopefully hopefully it happens here in twenty two. We're 
we're we're ready. So excellent. Miss you. All right, Miss man. You. Yes. Take care. Thanks for getting up early, dude. Right, we appreciate it. Not easy for a rock star. All right, he's at Go Sixers. Thank you, Jeff Amen, guys. Wow. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Super nice guy. And yeah, he's like a huge Sixers fan, man. It's I forgot about it's that. It's so wild. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, every time he comes through town, uh, if they're playing, he'll go and watch a game. And yeah, he's just a big NBA fan in general. But um, it was neat. What a great conversation. We chatted with him for a half an hour, you know. I played in a, in a, in a little shoot around with him one time. At, dude, I don't know how to play basketball. Yeah. I don't know how to shoot the ball. I know how to dribble the ball and pass. He pulled out a handgun. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and he, he was just. A dude. He's yeah, a regular no. dude. Yeah, he yeah. plays like in a men's league. I, I got to go with Matt Cord and uh, Kyle Corver and Pierre, and we played at Villanova one time. And uh, Jeff is a he's a baller, man. He, he knows how to, you know, he knows how to hoop. Nice. All right, we are going to take a break. Stay with us. Wait, what's that? Where was that place Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks in and we've got bigger problems. Now, Bizarre. WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. I'm going to start with this uh, harrowing story. A toddler is being credited for helping find an elderly woman who had been missing for four days. Last Friday started out like any other for Brittany Moore and her one-and-a-half-year-old son, Ethan, who were playing with bubbles in their backyard. Uh, The bubbles drifted toward the family's fence line. Ethan and the dogs chased them like they normally did, but something in the woods caught Ethan's eye. Uh, His mom... Stop it with the goddamn bubbles! ...has said, I went over there and was like, what do you see, buddy? And he pointed and said, feet... Moore said she didn't see anything from her vantage point, just overgrown trees. And then she crouched down to her son's level and looked where he was pointing, and she noticed a pair of feet. And that's where she was laying. She said, I didn't know if I needed to go into wow. flight or fight, uh, fight or flight, uh, because I have my little boy out here and the, um, and the other inside. Uh, she said she panicked before calling for help. And when first responders arrived, they realized it was 82-year-old Nina Lipscomb, who had been missing since Monday night, according to her family. Uh, authorities and community members have been actively searching for Lipscomb since she had disappeared. Hi, Grandma. Investigators even use thermal technology to search for her, who has early stage uh, Alzheimer's. Ah, uh, okay. She was alive but disoriented when Ethan spotted her less than a quarter of a mile from where she was last seen. How wow. miraculous. Four days. And this kid playing with Bubbles managed to find uh, the woman. Bubbles was a stripper, as you later learned. <laughs> <laughs> She babysits and entertains the yeah. child. What's over the edge, all? I see some feet. Uh, the families say that they are forever connected, all because of a little boy who wanted to play outside <laughs> with bubbles. <laughs> Go play with your stripper. All right, listen to this story. Kathy, I want to see what you think of this, too. Oh, the Scottish Council, a Scottish council, has been accused of mansplaining menstruation after appointing a man as its first ever Period Dignity Officer. Oh, come on. Why? Dundee City Council was criticized by party leader Ian Blackford, who said that it would be far better if women occupied such roles, (laughs) while Baroness Fox also accused the Scottish government of peak gender idiocy. (laughs) Former world number one tennis player Martina Navratilova also hit out at the ridiculous appointment, while others described it as institutionalized mansplaining. 
Uh, the backlash came on the same day that the country's flagship law offering free period products was launched. Now, if I had myself a vagina... I'd be dealing with issues like this. Uh, the newly appointed period dignity officer. He's got like yeah. a chart yeah. and, and diagrams that he's pointing to while he's doing this. Bill uh, West is our period officer. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's a good one, too. <laughs> Uh, so the newly appointed period dignity officer, Jason Grant, said that he was eager to make sure people of any gender were aware of the availability of period products. Speaking to the Dundee Courier, the former personal trainer said, I'm absolutely buzzing about it. It's definitely pioneering as Scotland is the first to do this. Have you lads heard? I'm the new period officer. It's about making people aware of the availability of period products for anyone of any gender, wherever they need it. Hey, do we have period products here? Uh, free? I think we do. In the ladies' rooms? No. No? You mean in the U.S.? No, I, I meant here. Like, oh, at, at the studio. Yeah. yeah. Here, uh, I don't know, we probably do. <laughs> you know, it's cool is that in the men's room, there is a Steakum uh, dispenser. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. That's different. There's a little than what hot plate get. and a steak, am right, guys? Yep. Yeah. Remember we did, was it Feminine Hygiene, The Price is Right? Yeah. Yes. I think that's what we call it. Oh, that. my God. Some of that stuff is so expensive. I forgot. Somebody found that. Somebody complained and thought that was absolutely oh, disgusting or something. Up. I'm like, they're. They're, you can see it in any store. Dirty. Yeah. yeah, our period officer said it was fine. Yeah, yeah. come on, ask mm-hmm. Seamus over there. Whatever his name is. <laughs> this is your period lieutenant, your period general, uh, period officers. So uh, he said it's important whatever we do is done with dignity. People know that there is no judgment. Mr. Grant's role will include promoting access to free sanitary products across schools and colleges, where he will also discuss issues around the menopause. The- <laughs> That's what it says. Oh you can also look on the Google. You're going through the menopause out of you. You're getting all hot and sweaty. And your voice is getting lower. And you're getting all pissed off at your hubby. You got the menopause. You got the menopause. The demon of the aged. <laughs> We should do another version of the hygiene process. I think we should. I would love to do that. that yeah, well, the, the, yeah. Uh, the uh, Daily Rush video is running up here in the studio. Yeah. It might be kind of fun. All right, beachgoers in Japan are being urged to stay away from dolphins following a spate of attacks thought to involve a single animal that have left at least six people with minor injuries. So like a rogue bad dolphin. Yeah, the, the cetacean, is that how you say that? Yeah. Uh, believed to be an adult Indo-Pacific bottlenose dolphin. And why did we just have... <laughs> yeah, what... Did, did we just glance over that, that Chewbacca showed up? <laughs> that dolphin made a weird sound. <laughs> well, it's not like a regular dolphin. It's a pissed-off yeah, dolphin. That dolphin was so pissed. That thing is hairy. <laughs> we all just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... It's a Japanese dolphin. Apparently, the bottlenose dolphin, Indo-Pacific, uh, has bitten several swimmers across three beaches... In uh, Fuki Prefecture uh, on the Sea of Japan coast since the end of July. Fuki. Most of the incidents occurred within 10 meters of the shore. That's about 30 feet. A sign that uh, dolphins in the area have grown accustomed to encountering humans in shallow water. Though dolphins normally are, are very pleasant. But if you get that rogue dolphin, the kind that smokes, it sounds like a Wookiee, it'll tear you apart. I don't know. I uh, I know some divers who have, who have told me that they're a bit of a nuisance. Yeah. Like they, they will sometimes antagonize right. humans. But officials... Hey, pussy. <laughs> officials <laughs> they're just bullying yeah. you, man. Because you're in their you element. Uh, officials had installed an underwater device that emits ultrasonic waves in an attempt to deter the animals. But added that two attacks that noise? Uh, had occurred after the equipment Sounds like Nickelback. was put in place. 
In the most serious case, one swimmer required 14 stitches after being bitten on a hand. Did you see the footage, speaking of dolphins interceding on behalf of swimmers, of the, the channel swimmer who had the dolphins around him repelling a shark in the area? Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, in response, local police have started patrolling the beaches and handing out leaflets alerting police uh, people to potential threat and warning them to keep their distance until the beach closes to bathers at the end of the month. Uh, one more story, then we'll wrap it up. How about uh, this one? Officials in Boston, in a Boston suburb are investigating a former city employee. They say shut down the entire police website during a pay dispute. Ooh. Uh, Newton Mayor Ruth Ann Fuller said that the former employee, who was the Police Department Information Technology Director, took down the department website in late June and July. And the website instead directed visitors to a message that called on them to contact Fuller and ask the mayor to restore it. Uh, Fuller said the employee con- controls access to the site yeah. and has not turned it over to the city. Newton has created a new Police Department website in its place. The old website was no longer active on Sunday. But, the you know, the employee... We're now BlueWaffle.com. <laughs> Shut down a vital resource, they said, for the residents of the city of Newton. The employees notified city officials in March that he was leaving the job. Uh, the paper reported the employee felt he was owed $137,000 in compensatory time at the yeah. time he shut down the website. So if they were hold- if, if he's legit and they were holding back his money, he's like, oh, yeah? I'll shut this down. Then. <laughs> uh, the employee said in a statement that he was disheartened by the city's representation of the facts in this matter and that he would work with the city to resolve the problem. And that is all I have in the Bizarre File for you. We'll be back in just a moment. If you like what you hear, you can see it too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on Xfinity On Demand. Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Yes, our guest is on uh, the line via Zoom, and he is going to be part of this event at the Keswick Theater November 12th. Please welcome Michael Imperioli. Hey, Hey, Michael, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Congratulations. We're we're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, the things are wonderful in the city of Philadelphia. Everybody's in this bizarrely great mood today, man. Yeah, well, you deserve it. Well, thanks, man. Hey, listen, I, I wanted to um, uh, to mention how uh, impressed I am with the type of life that you lead. You live a very, from what I've seen on the surface anyhow, uh, a very cool, uh, arty, awesome life. Obviously, you're a phenomenal actor. You're a musician. Uh, you're a chef. And uh, what I wasn't aware of was the... Um, the meditation that you dive into as well. You're this very well-rounded guy. Renaissance man. Yeah, I think that's... I'm not a chef by any means. (laughs) You're not a chef? You like to cook, though, don't you? I I could cook okay, but I'm definitely not a chef. Um... (laughs) I do play in a band, um, so that's true. But chef, I would, I would, no, I wouldn't. Do that. <laughs> All right, I take that part back. I'm now I'm just that much less impressed. <laughs> you're just whittling away. <laughs> if you saw me in the kitchen, you would be less impressed. I have a feeling you're probably better than you're letting on. But you, you, you're very. I was uh, reading an interview with you, with you, and you sort of delineated between 
uh, people were calling uh, chefs artists, and you were saying they're craftsmen, and uh, you, you kind of broke down how you feel about it. But you clearly derive joy from cooking, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, cooking's a great a great thing and you know a great sh- a great chef you know is uh to be held in high esteem no doubt All right, do the do the finer italian restaurants offer unlimited breadsticks <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> they usually don't even have bread <laughs> hey uh so with with the event with the uh, in conversation uh with the sopranos uh michael what's it like you know the series has been gone for a long time, but it's still a big part in the world of pop culture, and people still love it and tout it as one of the greatest television shows ever. Um, is it is it fun to still talk about it after all these years? It's fun seeing how important the show is to fans. Mm-hmm. Really, And, uh, you know, we do this all around the country. We've done it in Australia, actually. Um, and I'm always amazed at how people really feel this show occupies a big place in their lives. Today, when they first saw it, a lot of people who come to our show saw it when it was first on the air, and they have memories of doing, like, soprano parties on Sunday with their family and friends and making pasta or ordering pizza, and um, they have fond memories of those times. And then people today seem to be discovering it who were too young back then, Um, but... Uh, it's really fun relating to the fans um, and just seeing their enthusiasm and getting to talk to them and answer their questions. And, and, and that's that's the fun of it for me. It was listed. Uh, there was I forget who did what they were calling the definitive list of binged shows during the pandemic. And The Sopranos sat squarely in there. You have a whole bunch of new fans who, you know, who had no idea of its original run. No, that's, that's totally true. And that's really wild. Um, you know, I was in... I noticed that happened right before the pandemic, maybe about a year before. It was 2019. I was shooting something here in New York in Central Park. And this, like, 18-year-old kid from Scotland approached me and said, I'm a big fan. He he rolls up his pant leg, and there's a tattoo of me as Christopher on his leg. Oh, wow. On his calf. And I was like, what? First of all, you know, you're 18, you're from Scotland, and you tattooed yourself. And, and they're like, no, I'm a big fan. Um, and from then on, I realized, oh, wow, the, the younger generation is discovering this show and really, really, really liking it. I, I'm on Instagram, and I got this week a whole load of photos of mostly young people dressed as me and Adriana for Halloween. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Michael, I, I watched the show three times uh, from beginning to end. It's probably my favorite show of all time. Uh, and, and the first time I watched it was when it was airing originally. Um, and there was these interesting spaces that took place in between the episodes and the seasons. You know, there were long gaps. You would kind of forget what was going on. And then the third time that I watched it was during the pandemic. I watched it with my girlfriend who had never seen it before. So the, I, it was cool for me to revisit characters that I knew, to see you again. Um, but I, I always maintained, um, in my mind anyway, that, that Tony was a real person, that Christopher was a real person. When I wasn't watching episodes of The Sopranos, I was wondering, what's Carmela getting at the grocery store today? <laughs> the, the, the way that that writing conveyed the characters to me, and, and then, of course, your performances, uh, it just seemed like such a real show. And yes, it was, it was mafia-based and mob-based, but it just seemed to me like the characters made that show so wonderful. Yeah, I think that especially people... Um in the Northeast, you know, the East Coast, the people in, you know, New York, New Jersey, Boston, Philly especially uh, as well, um, who 
kind of understand those people who have been around those people. I don't mean mafia. I mean like Italian-Americans, middle class, you know, working class, and kind of get it. Um, it's even, I think, even more. Yeah, you think they're real people, and you, you look at them that way. You know, it's it's interesting because obviously you were you were in Goodfellas as well as a Spider, and and you you've had a couple of uh, uh, you know experiences with movies that do deal with um, uh, the the mafia and obviously the Sopranos. And you'll hear occasionally going back to the the Godfather. Um, that occasionally the the mob will become fans of these projects and will offer uh, consulting advice. Have you, in your time, gotten a, a little bit of input, been critiqued by anyone associated with the mob? Um, I was offered some uh, <laughs> consultation. <laughs> I was at Rayo's. If, I don't know if you know Rayo's is a restaurant in East Harlem, New York. That you can't really go to. You you kind of own a table. So, like, you have Monday night, and so us, you know, and right. that's it. And if you give up your table, that for Monday night, someone else can go. Uh, so it's a lot of celebrities. It's mob guys. It's judges. It's uh, singers. You never know who's going to be there. It could be Billy Joel. It could be the head of the, you know... Colombo family or something. Okay. You never know who's going to be at next next to you. But I was there with Tony Sirico, rest his soul, and Vinny Pastor. And I, Tony knew the guy at the next table was a. He passed away. I think he was a captain in the Genovese family, and he came over to the table to say hello. And he goes, "Hey, and you, if you really, you know, your kid, if you really want to know how to," and he, <laughs> he motioned strangling someone with oh my a God. piano wire. Yeah, if you really want to know how to do that? I can teach you. Oh, and I was like, wow. Okay. I'm okay for now. <laughs> I'm waiting on my breadsticks. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to order some coffee in a minute and yeah. we'll talk. But, uh, that's great. That's that happened. Great. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, well, listen, uh, with, with uh, obviously the, the event and, and the Sopranos going on, uh, now I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but uh, White Lotus is entering into yeah. its second season. Nick has been watching Yeah, I, I love the first season. Um, and uh, Michael, it was, it was incredible. And then well, I think only two characters coming back from the first season and the second. And then your, your character is visiting Sicily with his father, played by F. Murray Abraham. And then you bring your son, son along as well. Uh, great show, beautiful setting for both seasons. Where do they shoot season two for for White Lotus? Um, we were in Sicily for the for the first two months, uh, two months plus actually. We were in Taormina, which is the east coast, uh, Mediterranean coast there, and then um, and then we traveled around a bit to Palermo and some other cities. But uh, working in Sicily was a dream gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, speaking of what you said about people, you thinking you knew Tony, right? So on Instagram, people are watching White Lotus and going, great job, Tony would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's how, but that's, I understand yeah. that. It, yeah. just, it just permeates. Yeah. You know, I was surprised to learn, um, Michael, that um, the Gandolfini, James Gandolfini, you guys are just about four or five years apart in age. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people always think, um, you know, uh, they were like, "Was James like a mentor to you? Was did you, you know, you know?" And it's like, no, James, uh, James and I were much closer in age than Chris, Christopher and Tony were. Right, a lot further apart. Um, we were just pals, you know. Um, we were kind of when we started at similar places in our career. Both of us had done some good stuff. We had, you know, decent reputations. Um, we weren't, you know, known by everybody. And then The Sopranos obviously changed everything and he became you know a gigantic star mm-hmm. um 
But and he had just gotten married. I had already had a couple of kids. He had a kid right after we started, and we kind of, you know, we we were buddies. I I miss him terribly. He was a very good friend and mm. what a tremendous actor and yeah. a really great guy. We talk, we talk quite a bit about Jim on, in the conversation uh, show. We have some stories about him and about who he was and. Some fun and some kind of touching ones. Michael, I got to spend some time with uh, Michael Gandolfini, who, who of course played young Tony in, in The Many Saints of Newark, and then uh, Alessandra Nivola played your uh, fictional father in that uh, in that movie. Um, it's a really interesting take on The Sopranos world. You know, it's, it's a prequel that's a movie and not a, an extended TV series. What were your thoughts on it? Because I, I enjoyed it, but it's anybody that goes in to see that movie, it's different than the show, but it's different from the show by its very nature. It's a movie versus a, a, a six seasons of a, of a television program. Yeah, I enjoyed it for the mythology, kind of like the origin stories of the characters, and just, I thought it was very uh, creative that way, and reflective of its time, because it takes place mostly in the 60s. Um, I thought there were some great performances, but I really liked the the way they delved into the history you know, and some of the stuff that I didn't really even know about the characters and that would reverberate into the actual series of The Sopranos. It was you, fun. I wanted to ask you, because you've worked a number of times with uh, Spike Lee, Glockers, uh, uh, Jungle Fever, Girl 6. Um, Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. I, and I, I, that is, to me, is, is a stag. I know, to many, a staggering masterpiece. Um, uh, any uh, Obviously, you work well together. Any, any particular memories from that set and, and, and you know, Basically, Denzel becoming Ma Malcolm X in, in, in an incredible performance. Anything you remember specifically that jumps to mind? Well, I had a tiny bit in that one. I played a reporter interviewing uh, him at, uh, after his house gets firebombed. But I just remember being in the makeup trailer. And the chair next to me was empty. And then they were just, you know, kind of combing my hair and putting makeup on. And then when I looked over again, he was in the chair. Like, he came in very quietly. And... He wasn't Denzel at that point. Uh -huh. Like, he was Malcolm X. Like, wow. there wasn't, there was no chit-chat, like, hey, I saw you in this, or how's it, you know, it was like he was way deep into that character, and um, it certainly translated to the screen, because yeah. what a performance that was. Yeah. As, as an actor, have you found yourself uh, in that zone before, in some of the roles you've taken oh, on? sure. Yeah? I mean, you want to go... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't keep that, you know, twenty four seven kind of thing, you know. Right. Nor do I. Um, but yeah, you 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 do get to that place when you're in something, especially something where you're working a lot, like every day or something, you know, a job like that. But um, you should also find it in your relationships to other actors, you know. Like, I mean, this didn't happen on purpose. Mur Murray Abraham and I are now very good friends. I'm actually going to go celebrate his birthday on Friday with my wife. My wife was with me in Sicily, and the three of us spent a lot of time together. Um, but you're, the, you're, you're working as father and son, and you kind of look to find those ways in and those parallels. And, and it turned into a really great friendship. But um, And I think that translates to the screen in this show. Michael, while we have you on, I, I have to ask you about the Pine Barrens episode. It, it's um, ridiculously, um, <laughs> it's so damn funny. When I watched it again, the way that you and, and Tony Sirico get lost in, in the woods in New Jersey, and, and there's all these miscommunications happening. Um, I don't know if you've watched it in subsequent years, but it's, you know, you, you see these shows and you think, oh, this is a drama. But damn, was that episode hilarious. Yeah. I mean, people always talk about... Um, you know, like I just, I did this show 
this year on Hulu called This Fool, which is a flat-out half-hour comedy. And people are like, do you like doing comedy? I'm like, to me, The Sopranos was as much as a comedy as anything. You know, the miracle of the Pine Barrens was, uh, well, A, we didn't shoot in the Pine Barrens because uh, there was a some kind of council person or, or local politician who wouldn't give us the permits because he said... The Sopranos made Italians look bad. <laughs> that guy wound up getting arrested on corruption charges. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a true story. Yeah, yeah. Irony. So we shot it in, in New York, upstate New York near West Point. It was not meant to be shot in the snow. So the, the few days before we were going up to shoot it, there was this blizzard. And they're like, we're going to have to postpone it. And someone said, wait a second. This could be gold. Yeah. It's even more of an alien landscape. They're even more fish out of water. They're not prepared for the snow. They're wearing Gucci loafers, you know. <laughs> so, eating ketchup packets. Yeah, I think that made it even better. That was just kind of, that was just luck. That's great. Uh, if you're just tuning in, uh, Michael Imperioli is going to be at uh, Keswick Theater on November 12th uh, for In Conversation with the Sopranos. Uh, Michael, Nick had mentioned, you know, whether you'd uh, asked if, if you had seen an episode, uh, that particular episode. And uh, I was curious how often it does happen, uh, because you, you keep yourself wrapped up in, in many projects, uh, that you will watch the finished project. Because, you know, you, you spend hours and hours on the set and, and doing your job. Uh, but obviously, there's hours and hours afterwards of work that has to be done in post. And I don't know if you eventually go back and do watch those episodes or films that you're in every time or just occasionally. Or you might, oh, just stumble upon it by accident. How does it usually work? Um, I need a lot of distance before I start, before I watch something. Just because when it's fresh, like White Lotus was shot in... You know the spring, basically, and I'm not ready to watch that just because I get I get too caught up in what I didn't do rather than mm. what I did, yeah. what I wished I did, what I should have done. Uh, I can't have any kind of objective enjoyment of it, um, so I kind of let let it sit for a while when it's way too late to worry about it. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you as well because I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Summer of Sam, and and uh, I, that's um, I think that's a, a very underrated movie, and you co-wrote the screenplay on that, correct? I did. I co-wrote it with a guy named Victor Caliccio and uh, and Spike. Uh, I actually, Victor and I started that script, and then I brought it to Spike. Wow. Um, to direct it, I wanted to direct it originally, and Spike was going to executive produce it, and we couldn't get a deal. I wasn't really ready to do something like that, and it died for a while, and then Spike said, you know, I think I want to do this, and we were like, fantastic. But um, I just saw it again after a long time, a couple weeks ago, Spike teaches at NYU, and he brought myself and John Leguizamo in for the class, and they screened it. And in some ways, I think it's more... Um, I think it resonates more now than it did when it came out because um, it, it's, you know, it's about a lot of things that are currently going on in our society. And I think it not and I'm not talking about serial killer. I'm just talking about, you know, fear and, yeah. you know, xenophobia and yeah. you know, hatred and judgment and things. And it's I'm really proud of that one. Do you know, it's a great movie to me because I, I was I remember clearly being in New York when all that was going on. And, I, and to me, it is. One of those uh, sort of pitch perfect snapshots where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that's what it was like. That's what it was like, and it's kind of like looking through. No one would keep a scrapbook of Son of Sam, but but it is that kind yeah. of experience. Yeah, and people, pe there's never really been anything like that in New York since. Thank God. Yeah, because you know where the whole city 
is really in fear of maybe being the next victim of some, you know, serial killer. I clearly I, remember. It's not happened. Yes. I mean, I don't think it could really, you know, because it were, you know, the way surveillance is different, there's cameras everywhere, so it would be a lot harder for that to happen, thank God, but... Um, Man, was it, it? If you lived through it, you know exactly what. Absolutely, and you did. You did a cool way of weaving some uh, pop culture in the in the punk movement. You know, with Adrian Brody's character yeah. and all that stuff. Right. It was. It was that based on people you knew, or uh... it was a little bit based on um, some people that Victor knew. He was okay. he's older than me, so okay. I, I was only eleven during that summer. So I wasn't going to clubs or hang, you know, right. or anything like that. But but he was older, so he remembered really what was going on then. So yeah. So you lived in the Bronx. I lived in Mount Vernon, which was uh, Berkowitz lived right, you know, two miles away from me. Oh, Some of that stuff happened very close to where we lived. We're talking about the punk movement and your own musical taste. You're, you're, you're. Um, I know you're a fan of uh, of the Dolls, and uh, you're kind of like an, an like an indie rock kind of fan, correct? I'm a, yeah, my band Zopa is an indie rock band who we played in Philly um, in August uh, at Johnny Brenda's. Oh, ah. yep. yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we played in January, we played a Kung Fu necktie, and I have to say, the Philly crowds, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I'm with you guys, it's really true, you ask my bandmates, the Philly crowds are the most fun, most enthusiastic, really, um, just really get you going and, and energetic, and those two shows were highlights of, you know, we had a, a, mi a midwinter tour and we had a little midsummer tour, and those were highlights of the tour. It's cool to hear, I mean, you, you, got, you got some accolades, if I'm... Remembering correctly, uh, uh, Rolling Stone gave you a, a nice nod as well. Yeah, correct? yeah, we were on the best of twenty. Uh, our album La Dolce Vita was on the best of twenty twenty one list, which nice. is that's pretty well. very unexpected, but very welcomed. With that, and uh, have you had a chance to to meet some of your uh, your musical heroes, or, or uh, even better so, had a chance to jam with anybody of that level? Um, I don't know. You know, jamming on that level is. A little weird. I did do a benefit last year for God's Love We Deliver in New York, and I got to play. There was like 30 musicians on stage, so there was a lot of guitars. <laughs> mine was probably, <laughs> the sound engineer probably turned mine way down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ZZ Top was on stage, as was Warren Haynes and, oh, and okay. some other like geniuses. But that was right. standing kind of. Ten feet away from Billy Gibbons on stage was pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and talking yeah. about the Sopranos, I mean, did you ever get to play with Little Steven, or you were any Bruce ah. influences or anything along those lines when when you were filming the Sopranos? Um, we went to see Bruce. The Sopranos went to see Bruce at uh, in New Jersey. Which seeing Bruce in New Jersey is an experience, and it's, it's like you know, I don't know, it's it's like seeing the Pope in Rome. Or something. Yeah, yeah. But, it's kind of where you need to see him. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that was a hot, that was pretty amazing. And my my uncle, who turned me on to Bruce when I was a kid, who was a lifelong Bruce fan, I took him, and he got to meet Bruce, which blew his mind. Wow, you know? man! So that was cool. Nice perks. Uh, is Stephen is old Stephen uh, Van Zandt somebody you stay in touch with or run into from time yeah, to time? Yeah, we we all stay in touch together. That's you great. know, I mean, this show and particularly the in conversation here that we're coming to Philly with is Steve Sharippa and myself. We did the podcast together, Sopranos podcast, and Vincent Pastor, who played Big Pussy. It's the three of us. Um, but you know, the Sopranos. A lot of us knew each other before The Sopranos. Like, I knew Vinny before. I knew John Ventimiglia, who played Artie Bucco. I knew Edie. I knew Tony Sirico. Uh, and so that success that we had together on that show even bonded us further like a family. So it, it is, 
it still has that vibe, you know. There's there's got to be a flow chart of all you guys, <laughs> yeah, yeah. of all the movies that have tendrils to one another, where all oh, all of you yeah. connect, and, and it's got to be voluminous. Yeah, because to be honest, you know, the Italian American actor community in New York is not that big. So, you know, like uh, I ran into Catherine Narducci the other day. She played Artie Bucco's wife, Charmaine. Okay. She's doing a new movie where she plays De Niro's wife again, because she played De Niro's wife in A Bronx Tale. She played Joe Pesci's wife <laughs> in uh, The Irishman. She played my wife in Witness to the Mob. She goes, I feel like I just get passed around to a wise guy to wise guy. You're a hell of a wife. Uh, speaking uh, of that, I, I have to say, because you're, you're uh, uh, you know, Spider in Goodfellas, you have a couple of scenes that are just, you know, amusing and super tense. And you're, you're obviously you were at a younger point in your career, when you have Scorsese, De Niro, Pesci, and you have, in that particular scene, them turning their uncertainty and their rage at you, specifically Joe Pesci, is it hard not to um, to lose concentration? Because to me, that would seem a terrifying place, even though you're acting, to be in, to be at the end of that craziness. Yeah, well, that was, I had been doing film... For a year at that point. I had done three little parts in three movies. This was the fourth. Obviously, to me, it was a giant. It was like going from college baseball to, you know, the World Series. Yeah. Really. For me, for an Italian-American kid, actor from New York, that's how big it was. Scorsese and De Niro were like idols of mine. But oddly enough, I was less nervous on that than I was in the prior things because... Marty Scorsese made me feel like I belonged there. Uh-huh. He made me feel like I was an actor, and he gave me a lot of freedom. Most of what you see on screen was Im- improvisation. Wow. Hardly anything in the script. We changed it every time. He trusted me to do that with those guys, and um, I'll never forget it. Uh, he was so generous and so kind and respectful, as was as were the actors, you know. Um at a time when I was very vulnerable and very green. And, um, you know, I think it's a testament to why Marty's so great. Did, did, he, great did he specifically come to you and, and say some words like, look, you, you belong here. You're here here for a reason. Or did he do uh, or is it know, more his actions? Not, it, it kind of, you know, when um, I got there, I was in, you know, get a, in the trailer and he came over and he said, that's my trailer. If you have any questions, you come over and talk to me. Hmm. He said, um, you know, he couldn't have been nicer. Um, you know, it's it, it's just a thing of made me feel like I was part of the the company. Oh, that's you know? great. Um, as did the other actors, and uh, you yep. know, it, it was my first movie role was in a movie called Lean on Me. Oh, yes, like, yeah, you're I one of the one fun kids. <laughs> <laughs> I had one line and it got cut because I was really nervous and really bad. Oh, and the director. John Alvinson, who did Rocky, yeah. directed the first Rocky, just, I think he was overwhelmed with like a thousand high school kids in, a, <laughs> in an auditorium and just didn't have any patience for me, and it was a really bad experience. Oh. And um, Goodfellas was completely the opposite. You know? it's, I mean, that's, it's, it's an amazing thing. It is that moment in time, obviously, sadly, Ray Liotta, you know, passed, but um, uh, yeah, it, you know what, so many, <laughs> it's weird to talk about 
this style or this this genre of of mafia films and television shows, Sopranos and everything, we're forever fascinated by it because I think it probably has Shakespearean elements to it, as the Sopranos does. You know, it's that in many cases, as you know, the original Godfather was sold to Paramount as a family story, and it just happened right. to be a mob family. Do you think that's the the constant draw for audiences to this material? You know, I can't help separate the fact that if you look at, like, the holy trinity of mob, mobdom is The Godfather, Goodfellas, and Sopranos, right? Yeah. To me, those are the three monumental works. You can't separate the fact that you had some of the greatest artists working on that. Coppola, Scorsese, David Chase, Brando, De Niro, Pacino, uh, Joe Pesci, Ray Liotta, yeah. James Gandolfini, Edie Falco... I don't think you can separate the fact, because believe me, there's a lot of crap mob stuff, some of which I've been in. So um, I think the fact that the material's rich, and then you had, like, I mean, those that list I just named of the you know great artists in television and film in, in our time. Right. Doesn't really get much better. True. I don't think you can separate those things. No. Uh, it opens it up to, to some fun comedy, too, because Analyze This is still, I think it could be one of the, the funnier... Uh, mob takes. Uh, it's if, pretty funny. When yeah. I got the, the script of The Sopranos, the pilot, Analyze This had just either come out or I had auditioned for it or something. And I was like, is this another <laughs> spoof? Yeah. A, a mob guy in therapy? You know, I wasn't right. sure what, right. what The Sopranos... Because it's hard to tell from just the pilot script. Because that's all you get when you audition for a series. Where it was going to go. Right. You yeah. can't really tell from the pilot. pilot was good, but you can't tell the scope of what it would be, you know? Uh, speaking of therapy, something that, that clearly is therapeutic for you and, and was not aware uh, of, of this being a big part of your life, Michael, is the uh, uh, meditation. And you even host virtual meditation classes. I was not familiar with that. If you could tell us about that, I'm intrigued. I do. Yeah. Um, so my wife and I became Buddhist in 2008. And um, part of Buddhism, Buddhist practice, our Buddhist practice is meditation. And then when I got on to social media, it was right before the pandemic, and I, I would post a lot of stuff uh, during the pandemic about Buddhism. So a lot of people would message me um, about meditation, especially during the pandemic when people were really stressed out, yeah. and having a lot of anxiety and, and, and really, you know, looking for something that, for help. And um, I would message people back. This is how you meditate. You do this, this. And it happened a lot. So I was like, maybe I should make a video for these people. Or, And it turned into, I did an Instagram Live, which was an absolute disaster. Because <laughs> I'm technically, you know, really bad. But a kid from Chicago said, do you need tech help? And I gave him my phone number. He called me. And now he produces this free Zoom webinar, which I promote on the on Instagram and people register and get an, uh, an email and they go on Zoom and we have students in different countries it's totally free, everybody's welcome and um, that started uh, two and a half years ago and, and how often do you do this? every Sunday, unless you know, unless I'm traveling or the producer's working or something but pre pretty consistently every Sunday it's going to be people, honestly, believe it or not some of the students um have become Buddhists, oh. which is not what we're trying. We're not trying to convert people. We're just that's not what we do. But some people have. But um, 
I, uh, some of them have been with us for two years. I, I, I've attempted uh, mindful meditation with with uh, you know guided with uh, with with the app. Uh, I forgot the name of it because I bailed on it. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I had a hard time. What was it, Kath? Is it mindset? No, no. headspace. Headspace. Mind that space. was it. Uh, and uh, I, I personally had a hard time making it happen. Um, and and I gave it a you know a few weeks of, of trying it out. Is it just? W- w- did it come easy for you personally? No, I okay. don't think it comes easy for anybody. Okay. Everybody I talk to says the same thing, what you just said. Um, I think it helps to have a teacher um, to kind of inspire you and bring you along the way. And I think that's what works for me. Um, maybe that's why people have stuck with us for a couple of years because they kind of like the way we approach it. Um, but it is something that's... Because the mind is very busy. The mind thinks, the mind races, the mind doesn't stop. It's got its own movie going on all the time. Yeah. And that's normal. And you have to kind of realize that and just, you know, it's it's a process that, you know, like anything else, learning to do anything else takes a while. Is it helpful to have a teacher you know could instantly mobilize mob lieutenants to make you <laughs> calm down? I think that that's part of our <laughs> Michael, I tried a mindful meditation, uh, guided meditation, and the lady who was guiding me had a nose whistle. And <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, I was cracking up in the middle of this thing because every time she breathed in, I heard a... <laughs> but you were happy while doing it, right? Because it was funny. I was really happy. He's cracking up. <laughs> um, yeah, things can. There, there's a lot that can describe. It. <laughs> what? Uh, what? What time are the are the Sunday sessions? What time of day? Usually do you do ten that? o'clock Eastern. Oh, that sounds great. That. Well, sounds awesome. Tune man. in. Tune in from Indonesia and Israel, and believe it or not. Uh, a lot of different countries. It's pretty wild. Mostly Americans, but um, not okay. exclusively. It's got to be uh, fulfilling to know that you, you you help get, especially during the thick of it. You know, people are very kind and they'll say that this show, our show, provided a little bit of solace and comfort to get through all that. But to give people some tools that help them get through that has to be something that you really cherish. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, it's something that's meaningful to me. And, it, you know, if there's if there's people that are interested and you, and you have an opportunity to share that I think it's important to do so yeah mm, well speaking of sharing uh there will be stories of plenty shared in conversation with uh, the sopranos which is coming up at the Keswick theater uh November 12th and uh not only uh will Michael be there but uh, Vincent Pastor and uh Stephen Ashripa as well so you can get those tickets through uh Keswick theater.com uh michael so great to talk to you man thanks for taking this time today and uh and we're, we're huge fans and, and we appreciate all the en- entertainment through the years my pleasure thanks thanks for letting me come on today anytime thank you michael imperial yeah. guys. Yeah. wow very cool very yeah. cool uh, i was asking casey if we had the uh uh the spider clip uh handy but uh, we don't have that we had a different which one. which clip was it uh, when uh he... he goes uh um yeah he, uh, he said i thought you i thought you to bring me to tell me told me to bring me bring the drink spider yeah yeah, yeah. And he's like no 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 he's not and eventually goes, go after yourself, Tommy. Right, and that's, and that's when the he, wrong thing to say. Yeah. yeah, is that what it is? I think that yeah, might yeah. be it. Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Let the get away with that. What's the world coming to? The world is coming to. How do you like that? How's that? All right. What's the matter? They were busting his balls. Right, right. That's the end of Spider. And bye bye Spider. And De Niro, who's kind of, what's the matter with you? Yeah. 
You shouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah instead like, of, oh, my God. God. Yeah. It's like, what are you? You're always like that. And, like, and he's more, like a plate against the wall yeah, or something. He, like, oh, come on, man. He's more pissed they have to go and dig a hole. Yeah. yeah. He's like, now we got to go dig a hole. <laughs> you dig the effing hole. I can't believe Spider got shot God. once in the foot. And then he, all he does is mouth off to Pesci once. That's right. The other time, yeah. it was uh, he was playing you know, Hop yeah. Along. Yeah, yeah, come, yeah. On, yeah. come on, dance, dance. Spider. <laughs> That she was such a jerk. Is that oh the same God. room that uh, when they're gonna when, when he they're thinks gonna he's gonna be made? made? I, that's a good question. I don't think so. It looks a little bit like it. Um, no, that's like a garage somewhere. Isn't exactly. It? It's yeah. a little more suburban. This uh, this one that they're in is kind of like in a looks like in a club or something. But oh my God! Wow, That's we're watching great. the video of it right now. So great, yeah, it is. Uh, Michael's super nice, super yeah. nice. Yeah, How about that? that was great to have him on. Is that the first time we've ever had him on. I we might have so. had him on before. Yeah, if he did, if the he only did, other Buddhist we had on was Lisa Simpson a long time <laughs> ago. Uh, let's take a break. Stay with us. We'll come back in a moment. What's new? Why do you ask? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Billy Idol. Soraya. New music. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. An article by columnist uh, Mike Sielski. Right? Sielski. There you go. Sorry about that. Yeah, Mike. He's a great writer. Um, so he came up with a list of the best and worst Philly sports movies of all time. Oh. And it's some interesting stuff in here. Yeah, good and, a reminder of some good stuff, too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So he goes through the ten best and then the three worst. <laughs> uh, so I thought uh, Mike did a pretty good job of this. Although a couple of, well, listen, any of these lists are open to interpretation. Yes, it's the whole purpose. And I think there's some uh, some things missing. But nonetheless, you never know. This movie, Hustle, might end up being one of these top ones because it looks really good. You know, Adam Sandler's a good actor. Yeah, the, the, the trailer looks solid. You know that they were authentically shooting all around the area. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very psyched. Yep. Casey kind of exhaled. What's, uh... Rocky's number one, right? Well, I don't know. Let's find out. Well, yes, yeah. of course it's going to be number one, right? No, it's not. Yeah. No. <laughs> all right. So uh, it's racing stripes. Number 10 on this list is Rocky 2. Uh, so that's when he ends up beating Apollo, right? Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I like Rocky 2. It's not, oddly enough, it, it, it's... Uh, it's it's very dismissible for me. To me, you know? it seems like Rocky was so successful that they were like, we need to do Rocky over again, but he wins at the end. You, you kind of nailed yeah. it, and yeah. it was it was sort of the inevitable. He had to win. It was. So I guess that's the. I guess that's why it held less impact for me because you knew what was going to happen. Yeah, and he had to win. And uh, you know they had the uh, Adrian in the coma and the in the, uh, the hospital and all that stuff. It was. It really was. It was. But it was. The, it was Stallone directing. And he proved he could direct. Steve, so you mentioned uh, Adrian and yeah. the trauma. And then, <clears throat> what are we waiting for? <laughs> yeah, what are we and waiting you see, for? You don't, you don't see it, Preston, but as Mickey's in his zeal to get out of the... He, he pulls out one of the <laughs> one of the IVs. Oh, he yeah. yeah. yanks the... Uh, <laughs> 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 I got some bad news. <laughs> uh, somehow, one of her wires popped out and she's dead. <laughs> Is that the one where he uh, he chases the chicken too when uh, yeah, he, he's yeah. training him and, and has his... <laughs> yeah, so uh, and he's um, yeah it's it's really well done. He the, the priest he has the priest that he yells to from the window. He's driving the Trans Am. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. It's well done. Is it that really where the, uh, the bells come in? Like the boom, and when they when the rocket team starts? Yes. Like yeah, that that. 
Not that. No? Okay. The hell was that? <laughs> you know, is that the bell that they use at Eagles games? Yeah, they use it a lot in sports events now. It's the best of the pumping you up Rocky theme uh, music. Yes, I agree. I love that. But, Steve, I know I speak, I think I speak for you. There's two movies in that franchise, Rocky One and Rocky Balboa. Balboa. Stop yeah. it. And sometimes I thought, like, people don't, how can you not, how cool, oh, you don't see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love them both. Uh, those, to me, capture th- that spirit. And yeah. God almighty, Rocky's so good. I just watched it again in its entirety straight through, and you just appreciate how fantastic it is. Yeah. Rocky Four is good. It is a good movie. It's okay. Yeah, it's not Rocky Five. <laughs> Did you see the director's cut? I not yet. This Have you seen it yet? He tweaked. No, I've seen. I heard, I've, I've seen, seen some it. of the things that they've done. They removed some of the cheese, right, from it. Stallone did. Um, you know, again, look at all the. Not only in those movies was Stallone getting into near pass out, ripped up shape to right. be in the movies. He was also writing and directing. But like for Massive me, accomplishment. when did that come out? 87, 88, 89, something like that? Right. Uh, it was, you know, in, and they, they catered that movie to me. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. to, to, to some 13, 14, 15 year old yeah. kid. Yeah. yeah. But I think the one like Rocky three, Clever Lang, you know, and then it kind of leaves the planet for a while was Rocky four. And then Rocky five <laughs> tried to be, you know, really, uh, you know, uh, down to earth. They've tried to down it back and, too much. And that's where they made Rocky just completely brain dead. I guess Rocky Balboa was the movie that Rocky Five was actually trying to be. Just, yeah, exactly. It, it yeah, terrible. exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you, so is Creed in this uh, franchise? Creed is in this franchise. Okay. But let's, let's move on All to right. this list. Uh, Mike uh, Sielski's uh, column of the uh, the best and worst Philly sports movies of all time. Number nine he puts down as uh, Invincible as one of the best. It's a good movie. Uh, franchises. Yeah, it is a good movie. I think there are things I liked about it and other things that didn't uh, touch too well. That are me. cheesy and, yeah. and hokey, and and but it captures, I think, the spirit of the Philadelphia sports fan. I think it's telling that there's really no victory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not. But right. no, no, the victory was. You uh, played really well. He picked up a fumble in, and took it in for a touchdown. Yeah. Or, right. or he had a strip sack you, or something like that. <laughs> you did a good thing there. I think they got three wins but, that season case or something. Like ladies and gentlemen, a player just did something good. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They didn't win a playoff game. They won a game. They right. won a game. But he, listen, he was he was a nobody. Yeah, who That's was able the story. to who was able to make a, a difference in a game. And his, no, he, he got a couple of years out of a career out of uh, it. Totally, so, yeah. Yeah. and his friends and the bar and and, and this kind of these thing. things. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks, yeah. the girl, she was a Giants fan. Remember, she's from the, the she didn't. And they, they thought we were going to get together, but they got together. It was very good. Thank you. We met a kid uh, yesterday named Holden, and Holden is the son of one of the stars of the movie. Oh yeah. Uh, gosh, what was the guy's name? Greg uh, Kinnear? No, 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 no. Stink Fisher. Stink Fisher, that's yeah. it. So we met Stink Fisher's uh, boy Holden yesterday. Yeah, and speaking of Greg early. Kinnear, he was good as Vermeil. He was. He was? Yeah. yeah. He was, it was really good. So Invincible, yeah, that, that's a good movie. All right, this one I never saw, Warrior. Yes. He has his number eight. That is a really good movie. That's one of the first times I saw Tom Hardy. Oh, uh, that's the uh, the MMA movie? The MMA movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Two brothers, one from Philadelphia, one from Pittsburgh, battle in a mixed martial arts tournament, and in doing so, learn how to love each other and come to terms with their family, turmoil, and the darkest mistakes and moments of their past. It's not a bad movie by any stretch. It's a good movie. It's engaging. Uh, it just sort of wraps up a little bit too quick. I actually just watched it for the first time maybe a month or two months ago. They should have had six jars of farts. Well, well, I just thought, 
it just sort of wrapped up too tidily and too nicely and, and very quickly. Agreed. You know you what, know? though? Here's the deal. Do you guys agree with this in general? Um, give me enough of what a, a good sports triumph movie should have, and I'll play along to the cheesy, hokey stuff. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep, and yep. so, and 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 Warriors did that. And yep. what this movie? So now Warriors, that we have all these streaming things, so this movie just wrapped up too quickly because they only did it in a two-hour span. They were supposed span. to go into space. No, 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 no. But they did it. In, they only had two hours to, to right. get this yep. whole story together. And now with all these streaming platforms, you can you can give it the treatment that well, it that, perhaps yeah, needs. See what Frank Grillo's series did. Yeah, you know, that was the same, it was the same thing. He was able to carry it out over a longer run. Yep. Uh, number seven on this list of uh, best. Philly sports movies, Creed, at number seven. And Creed's I, I, great. I liked it. I thought it was a really one. Stallone. Here's what I loved in, in Creed, and slight spoiler alert on this, but uh, Rocky's retired. He's definitely not fighting anymore. He's training uh, Apollo Creed's yeah. son. Um, but in, in, in true Rocky form, they find a way to make him train and fight again, but he's fighting cancer. Yeah. And they treat it almost like he's training for a boxing match. And I'm like, they did it. I'm like, they did it. They, they, they got Rocky to fight yep. without fighting. He's fighting a battle of cancer. Yeah. And I'm like, this, I thought it was brilliant. I it thought was it was like an analogy. It was, <laughs> wait, what? An allergy. That's when hey, you have hay fever. How do you spell That's that? It's an allergy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, but I thought K-A-T. that. <laughs> I thought it was brilliantly done the way they handled that part of it. Do you and, know that it's, it's like in Rocky Balboa, Preston, the conceit that had um, the video game pairing. Yeah. Uh, How uh, did they make it happen? Yes, and they did it. That was really well done. And they yeah. also, in that movie, were able to. Introduce the word John to the rest of the world. Yeah. That is true. She explains it to him, and, mm-hmm. and they start using it in the movie. Uh, and then number six on this list, uh, I like this movie. Uh, it's a dark movie. Big fan. Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, with Pat Oswalt. With Pat yeah. Oswalt. Oh, Casey, you got to watch it. Tremendous performance. Yeah. It, it's, uh, Casey, I've, I've like, seen the beginning of it. As a, as a football fan and somebody who, you know, will, will spar occasionally with Giants fans, you'll love the dynamic to, between those guys. Only a little part of it takes place in Philly. Yeah. Uh, but he has a he has a spat with a guy from Philadelphia Phil is what yes. he calls himself. And that's... Um, Rappaport. Uh, Michael Rappaport. Yeah. And it's, it's a dark look at somebody who... Really takes their fandom too far. It's gotten away from it, them it, 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 uh, too it, seriously. It impacts their life to a ridiculous amount. But he, Patton Oswalt, I was like, that's my first time seeing him in like a dramatic term. Yeah. I was like, he was really, really good, really good All in right. it. Uh, but yeah, Casey, I'll give it a go. It's a good movie, and it's an interesting dynamic. I don't want to give it away, but he has to. He gets put in a, a strange position. Uh, where his his quote unquote fandom uh, takes over. Yes, you'll have to see it. Plus, but. there's a radio element to it as well. Yeah, right? like you know, dealing with sports radio and and what yeah. they have to deal with. You know, those guys down the hall, like on a daily basis, yeah. uh, is is an interesting dynamic as well. But then also, you know, the thing is, the the, the radio callers they then uh, they start to. Uh, become like their own character, right? Yep. Uh-huh. They have their own nicknames that they've given themselves, and uh, and so they they play into it as well. So, all right, here's one I'm not familiar with. It's called The Last Game. I saw it on the list as well. I'd heard the title. I've never seen it. All right, so Kathy, this will be interesting to you because uh, oh. it's in Bucks County. 
Uh, he said, it's a personal favorite. This documentary by a pair of independent filmmakers chronicles 1999 Central Bucks High School West football season. Oh, yeah. Uh, the final season in the storied career of Mike uh, Patin- Patton. Yeah, Mike Patton. So he, that guy had his long, long storied career. Okay. Coaching was at CB West. And as a matter of fact, my brothers, uh, when he played for Cardinal Hara, played against his team. I think and there was a lot of um, indication of, um, like, uh, steroid use and, and stuff like that, right? Oh. Is that what this documentary is or no? Uh, I'll read you the description. It okay. says, from CB West, rivalry with North Penn, coach at the time by uh, Mike uh, Petten Jr., uh, to the Bucks' dramatic run to a third consecutive state champion. The championship, the story had plenty of natural drama and intriguing storylines. And anyone familiar with the history of Doylestown and or CBS football, under Patton, the Bucks were arguably the top program in the country mm-hmm. and can attest to the film's accuracy. Okay, so maybe, so that, maybe that's, that's not or it. He didn't explain that in the... He didn't this, delve into that. He did not delve, <laughs> thank you. Uh, all right, so... If, I don't know if you consider this a sports movie or not, but number four is Silver Linings Playbook. I could see where you could in a way because it's so essential to De Niro's character and it's a prominent yeah. character in the movie. And also, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper's the – is it technically – no, no, unless you consider the the dance competition to right, be a yeah, sport, sport yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I they're, they're, they're constantly the, the 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 movie revolves around the, watching the games and the betting and superstition, yeah, and, and, and superstition the rituals, yeah. as well. And you know what, man? I, I know it won all the awards yeah. and people loved it. I didn't really no. like it a whole lot. So, so how many stars out of four would you give it? Like you can do half stars if you. Yeah, maybe like two and a half, and that's just on okay. a personal. Thing. I, 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 okay. I didn't. I didn't love the characters, but some people like my my buddy's daughter. It is like her all time favorite movie. So for me, the three stars, enjoyable. I like their romance. You know the yeah. flawed characters, and uh, that's it. Yeah. I, I agree. It wasn't as massive as it was depicted as, but yeah. a good movie. But it struck a chord with a yeah. lot of people. Was so. it up for, like, Oscars? And yes. Stuff? Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, won an Oscar. I couldn't remember. Best yeah. Supporting Actress, right? I believe Didn't so. she win yeah. for that? Yeah. Actress in a leading role. Uh, oh, leading role. Yeah, yeah that's no. right. That wasn't a supporting role. It was, it, was, uh, role. it was nominated for Best Picture and uh, Best... Uh, Actor for Bradley Cooper, Best Supporting Actor, De Niro. So, yeah, a lot of uh, nominations. Okay. If we're leaving anything out, please feel free to give us a call. All right, 215-263-WMMR. These are the best uh, Philly sports movies. This is Mike uh, Sielski, columnist who wrote this article. Uh, Number three on this list, okay, strange movie, Foxcatcher. Oh, DuPont. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I, I know they take a little bit of license with the actual story in it. Uh, but Steve Carell is just like gross. He's goo goo for go go bucks. He is that. He's nutty. He goes yeah, over yeah. the top. Uh, but it's a um, you don't recognize Carell too, by the. I mean, the, with the the prosthesis or whatever he's wearing. Yep. And uh, what's his name? Who plays uh, the Channing Tatum? No. Anthony um, Michael Hall. No. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Uh, he got really beefed up yeah, in that role. Yeah. He does. He's hard to recognize, but um, yeah, it's a it's a messed up story. And that whole John Dupont going off the rails, mental illness, thing. wrestlers in the walls. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's it's kind of hard to watch. But another you know dramatic role that you're not used to seeing Steve Carell in. Uh, number two, speaking of wrestling, uh, the wrestler. 
Yeah. He considers that a Philadelphia sports movie. So it's taking place in proximity? Is it? I I didn't make the connection that it's... They end up in Atlantic City at one point, right? Right. Yes. I yeah. think. When he reunites with his daughter. Yeah. Briefly. I wouldn't consider it a Philly movie, though. Me either, but I guess it's in... It's a great proximity. movie. Maybe that, that last match takes place in the Philadelphia region. I don't remember. The one thing you can't argue is that from beginning to end, it is so funny. It's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, no, it is a brilliant movie. It's yeah. heart wrenching, and it's it's tough. Uh, yeah, it's tough to watch. There are a lot of a lot of heartbreaks in that movie. But and you understand great. why he won the Oscar? Yeah, uh, number one on this list is Rocky. Yes, of course. Yeah. So uh, he puts that in as the as the great, and I agree. And the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, but I'm telling you, I think he really made a mistake by leaving Rocky Balboa off of here. Oh that, my God! That, that yeah, no, that that's more than. Silver Linings play. I know you go to the Rocky Well a lot with these things because you know that's that's he, he that's, uh, that is the most famous sports movie to come out of this. Is city. that the best Philadelphia movie? Is it better than Philadelphia? Is it better than the boxing scene mm. in Philadelphia? Is not as good because <laughs> he's so sick. It. What would is it better than the success? He didn't stand a chance. No. It, why did it even make that match? I think it's the greatest Philadelphia movie ever. Okay. Um. Or it's the one that that I immediately think of. Uh. But even the, over the Philadelphia experiment. <laughs> uh. But what did you mention? Uh. Six cents. Philadelphia. Six cents. Six cents. Pretty Unbreakable good. is a Philadelphia movie. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's another topic for another time. That's right. a tough call. Well, interesting. All right, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Speaking of topics, and this is one to bring up out of nowhere, <laughs> what is the Philadelphia sports movie yet to be made? What story? What what story is out there that would make for a good movie? I don't. Oh. Want, you can't just say the you know the Eagles uh, Super Bowl because <laughs> right. a, a team wins the Super Bowl every year. It's got to have something Rob Zombies. Like- Beyond that, oh, Broad Street oh, the Bullies, Broad Street Street Bullies. Bullies. Yeah. It's supposed to be made. Yeah. It is like sixty percent on the way. Yeah, and uh, you know it was, it was looked like it was going to happen, and it didn't. Yeah, that's a, go- a good story, and um, sort of the, the rise out of Ooh. Um, coming out of nowhere because they were they were a young franchise at the time, right? They were right. sixty seven, sixty eight is when they were started, and so they won the Stanley Cup by seventy four. Uh, for me, the Eric Lindros story is a fascinating one. The rise and fall of that guy. And uh, his departure when he left in 99-2000. That would make for interesting. Well, is it, I'm sorry? The, the rise and fall of Eric Lindros. Okay. The, the taking of the captain C off of his jersey. They did it on live television. Uh, the Bob Clark and Ed Snyder versus uh, Bob uh, Bobby, um, I mean, uh, Eric's dad, Carl. And, like, all of that drama, to me, is fascinating. There was a brief period in time where Daniel Day-Lewis had signed to play Barbara. No. Yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. He is amazing. He can pull it off. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, I think uh, the story of Leonard Toast, uh, the former owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, he essentially lost the team because of, uh, I believe... Gambling? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, All right. Somebody, somebody pointed this out. Nick, you'll have to remind me. Somebody said the Flyers versus the Red Army. Didn't yeah. they play the national Russian team, the Flyers did, as as their warm-up for um, Olympics, I thought? Well, it was an international series. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and the Flyers played so dirty. They, they left the ice. That they left the ice, yeah, it was, right? It was a game at the Spectrum, and the Flyers were Ooh. a physical team. Hello. We played the hockey the best that we could have, <laughs> but we played a win. I think that was 76. And you not know neither borscht. <laughs>
Uh, but that get a bit. That was was that Broad Street Bullies. Yeah, I mean it was it was after they won the Stanley Cup, but uh, they were still the same team essentially, and they played rough. And the Dave Schultz and and yeah. you know, the Watson brothers and the whole nine, and yeah, they they played so. Tough against the, against the Red Army team that the Red Army team said, we're not playing anymore. They left the ice, and it took forever for them to come back out. I would like to see the movie that depicts the setting of three world records in the dumpster pool. Oh, sure. oh wow, in one yeah. day. In one day. Yeah, that could be a good one. Uh, I mean, we have a documentary of it, but I wow. think, uh, you know, something a little bit more... Dramatic. Uh, a number of yeah. callers are saying that uh, this one should be should on the list. I'm going to go to uh, Chris. Hey, Chris, good morning. Good morning. How you guys doing? Good. What's up, buddy? So I'm going to premise this. I am not an Eagles fan. I cannot stand the Eagles. I can't even stand the color green. That's how much I can't stand the Eagles. Wow. Okay. <laughs> should yeah. I hang up on him now? <laughs> well, no. I don't know. Where are you no. from, Chris? I'm- I'm, I'm from this area. I'm a Philly. I'm a Philly. I'm a Philly guy. I'm from. I'm from Newark, Delaware. I love the Flyers. I bleed black and orange. Like I'm a diehard Flyers fan. Okay. That's not the only team I, I I bleed for 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 Philly. So okay. That's why it's it's kind of shocking. I'm calling about this movie here. It's a uh, the garbage picking, field goal picking, <laughs> Philadelphia phenomenon with Tony Danza. <laughs> Tony Danza. Yeah. yeah that's a, he terrible. went from a garbage man to a field goal kicker. For <laughs> yeah, Among a, the worst movies. It's a ever classic. Made. Yeah. It's uh-huh. so bad. I've never seen it. I've heard of it. Well, you, it's yeah. very bad. You oh, my rent God. It. And uh, actually, you just ran out of theater and go watch it there. <laughs> that bad, Chris, huh? Yeah. I, I, somebody pointed out to me, I have a phobia with green. They're like, you don't like Seattle. You don't, you don't even like the Dolphins. You don't like you don't, you don't like you don't like Green Bay. I'm like, well, maybe I just don't like the color green, apparently. It's probably yeah, it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Make sure you see it at IMAX. The trash picking, field goal kicking. <laughs> Philadelphia phenomenon. Philadelphia phenomenon. Okay, it's bad. And he just happened to, yeah. Uh, all right, let me go to our buddy uh, Craig Legans is online. Hey, Craig, morning. By myself, I'll take his office. <laughs> <laughs> Physically and sexually. Oh go behind God. that shed there. Uh, all right, Craig, so are you calling in for what needs to be uh, told, the, the, the story that would make a good movie? Uh, yeah, that, and there's also a movie that uh, a lot of people haven't seen. It's called Snipes that was set here in Philly. Um, it's uh, not a sports movie, but it's a competition film. I would thought it made a good sports movie. I it, was about the, it, it was about the culture of, of, of tagging. Of graf- you know, see all graffiti art in Philly? Right. Well, there was this movie called Snipes where rival uh, taggers, rival graffiti artists, competed with each other to see who could get the best spot, like the most impossible to get spot to tag their name in Philly. That okay. sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was made in early 2000, but I thought it was a, a great Philly sports film. Okay. As far as the movie that should be a film, uh, Nick, you mentioned Eric Lindros. That's a great one. For me, it would be the Chris Carter uh, story. Oh, Chris sure. Chris Carter was a Philadelphia Eagle. All he did was uh, score he, touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, why would you cut this guy? All he did was score touchdowns and goes to Minnesota, goes in the Hall of Fame. His drug problem was so out of control while he was in Philly that Buddy Ryan cut him um, just so he would get into rehab. And Chris Carter even mentions that Buddy Ryan's the one that saved his life. Yeah, yeah. okay, that sounds compelling. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, and I, I like Chris Carter now as a, as a commentator, but his time in Philly was. Nothing but success on the field and nothing but tragedy off the field. What, ab- what about sports scandals and, um, you know, in, in the area? What would make for a compelling uh, movie? You know, sports scandals. Well, like, like, the, yeah, the 93, 93 Phillies, there's a lot of scandals surrounding right, those right. guys. And, like, they, they made it to the World Series. That's the Mitch Carter 
I mean, uh, Mitch Williams, Joe Carter uh, series. Um, but there were so many steroids on that 93 team. And Lenny Dykstra yeah. and Pete Incavilia and Darren Dalton. There's there's a story to be told there. And this is my daughter. Yeah. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> also, <clears throat> Pete Rose's time in Philly. Uh, sure, yeah. yeah. The, the strike year. Because uh, he was on the verge of breaking the record for the most hits in National League. And he couldn't play for a while. So that was, many people consider that was when the time he had off was when the gambling really kicked in when he was in Philly. I think the um, I think the story is... is uh, just in the beginning, and it's being told right now, but Jordan Maialata, uh, the left tackle yeah. for the Eagles, I mean, here's a guy who never played uh, a down of football, was a rugby player, an enormous rugby player coming out of uh, Australia, and he is, I mean, he's one of the best left tackles in the entire so, league. It sounds like or, the story to Kangaroo Joel, Jack. Yeah. yeah. Or Joel Embiid, who didn't start playing basketball until he was 14. Yeah. He played soccer, and now, now look at him. He's pretty good. That's pretty, yeah, he's, he's, right. he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, thanks, Craig. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Uh, you. Somebody texted in the sports story that needs to be told, Philadelphia sports yep. story needs to be told. The Dick Button story. The Dick Button yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes, we should definitely do the Dick Button story. Button, Dick. Yeah. It sells itself. I see the poster right now. That's my name backwards. Uh, some people are texting in Iverson. It's his uh, birthday, so sure. It is his birthday. What do you think? What do you think? With oh, that? Yeah. There, there's yeah, a story there, there, right? There there was a downfall there, too, like, yeah. and a pretty yeah. bad one. Um, and the fact that, you know, how how much fame he had and how good he was and the whole, you know, no practice and all that, I think there's definitely a story there. Do you think there would ever be and would have ties to here uh, a Kobe Bryant story? I don't know if his family would want something like that, at least not now. Right, right, right. Uh, but, I mean, because of the way, you know, Ed, he tragically died and all of that, but I mean, clearly, there's there's a story there. I mean, that's guy, he went on to be one of they the can, absolute greatest. Look, they can, they can take one incident and build a movie around it. They've done it many, many yeah. times. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to do the whole life. Right, right. You do a portion of... Uh, of uh, what's happening in someone's life. Like the wrestler focused on mainly his good years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me go. Uh, hang on. Let me go to Daniel. Hey, Daniel, good morning. Hi, good morning. Gadzooks. Gadzooks, buddy. All right. What's the uh, the movie you wanted to mention? Um, a movie I wanted to mention was about the Taney Dragons back in 2015, 2016. Yeah. When they went into the uh, Little League World Series. They were. And they had Monet Davis as their pitcher. And Monet, that's softball, right. They were destroying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and that that was a national story for a, right. a while. Yeah, that could be uh, mm-hmm. that could be a good one. Uh, what is she up to, by the way, Monet Davis? She is, is she playing? Thanks uh, for your call, Daniel. College softball. Right? Here, Nick yeah. just pulled up. Uh, well, she's twenty. Oh no, she's twenty now. Okay. Uh, it's her birthday in a couple of weeks, and uh, her middle name is IKEA. <laughs> I think that's that. very cool, man. Yeah. My middle name is Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm Target. Um, dude, actually, it is Michael, like Michaels. Yeah, so, true. Yeah. And so, Paul, I'm not, not after a saint, Paul McCartney. I think Ron has a great suggestion. All right, let me go to him. Uh, hi, Ron. Good morning. Hey, you guys rock. <laughs> All right, what is the what's Philadelphia sports movie to be made? Before I get to that, there's a great story behind the Flyers and the Russians. Yeah. The Russians are in the dressing room, and I read it in the Complete Spectrum. It's a great book. Ed Snyder goes in there, and he goes, "If you guys don't get the f back on the ice." You're not getting paid. And that's what made him go back on the ice. Wow. Yeah, it's a great book. It's called Complete Spectrum. Okay. That's very cool. cool. Cool, man. So um, there's a great story. Um, it's like it's almost like Rocky and Apollo Creed. Joe Frazier would be a great movie. Oh. But 
it would not be mostly about Joe Frazier. It's how Joe Frazier made Muhammad Ali so famous. Mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali would have been famous, but Eric Cosell documented that it was the rivalry between them that made Ali so famous. And no, Joe Frazier had a lot, of, a lot to do with it. You're right. Uh, and so you'd ha the, the Ali story uh, has been told uh, uh, a number of times. In fact, he played himself in his movie. Uh, yeah. So that's been told many times. To get an angle that would do... Joe Frazier, right? You know, and yeah. and and his importance in all of that yeah. is the film that still needs to be made. I agree. Yeah, there's also a small one. If if I could say one more, nobody's going to get this one. There was a guy that lived in Veteran Stadium that yeah. worked that worked in the yeah. Yeah, 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 we had him on. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah, to him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be a crazy movie. <laughs> that would be a good one. Uh -huh. Gambled, he did drugs, he drank. <laughs> the whole damn thing. Yeah, I there, like it. There's a lot of stories yeah. there. Thanks, I, I don't know how many of All them right, were guys. true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, when, that guy like was, when the Pope came by. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. was going to say, you know what, the, uh, the, the, the likelihood of a movie getting made needs to be, uh, it has to be someone who's nationally famous. So I was thinking that, uh, you know, Joe Frazier would make sense and a few others. But then again, I'm wrong because Invincible... Was not about. I mean, Vince Papali's yeah. very, very famous here and right. known around the league a little bit. Uh, but in, but in the pantheon of things, he's not one of the all-time greats. Yeah. And, and that worked it, because it's a story. It's a great story, uh, even though it ended with him just winning a game. Uh, let me go to Dave. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Gadzooks. Hey, Gadzooks, buddy. What's up? Louis uh, Irving single-handedly changed basketball mm. forever. Yeah. There should be a, a good Dr. J movie. I mean, a big screen, you know, big budget. Doing serving. Inspired Michael Jordan for crying out loud. Yeah, there have been documentaries, you're right, but there hasn't been that full-throated, um, you know, life story movie. That, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. J is a great one. I mean, he I mean, the, changed this town, and, you know, I mean, the Sixers were horrible. Here's a guy who left a successful yeah. medical career. Yeah, yes, Dave. And, yeah, as yeah, a doctor. As a neurosurgeon. <laughs> I love Dr. J. <laughs> I know. He's my, my my favorite sixer of all time. And I'm watching uh, Winning Time on HBO right now. Just finished it up. Uh, but the Lakers in 1980 played the Sixers in the finals. And Magic Johnson was a rookie. And, and Dr. J was an established star. And the dynamic between those two guys, even though it's a fictionalized portrayal of the two, was really, really well done. And Dr. J, uh, tr in a way, took Magic Johnson under his wing. But he also knew... He was the star, and Magic was not yet a star. It was, it's a really great series. It and sucks because I was too young to appreciate him and Charles Barkley, you know, being on the court at the same time. Like, you know, like, right. and, I, and, and I've Moses. seen him in Moses. Yeah. And, you know. Mo Cheeks. Mm -hmm. You guys ever met Dr. J? I did on a plane in 1984, uh, going to the Olympics, uh, and uh, Turquoise was on the plane as well. And yeah, he shook his hand. Okay, did you see him stand up on the plane? Because uh, that I stood been, next to him. Yeah, did, really. I stood next to him. I was a kid at the time, so I was nine, and, and we got off the plane and, and shook his hand. My grandfather introduced me to him, and uh, it was it's a memorable moment in my life because Kathy, I know you've had the same experience, but your hand disappears in his, and it's this massive thing. Seeing him on a plane would be like you being in a kid's, you know, like a playhouse. <laughs> It's yeah, been, yeah, yeah, you know, been completely hunched over. Yes. And so on. I would love to meet him sometime. Yeah, uh, he's just, you know, he's a class act for sure, and uh, just one of the all-time greats. I stood next to him at a bar in Philly, and uh, actually, Matt Cord introduced me to him. And Nick, I shook his hand, and that was literally, I think, that's the one thing I remember is how giant his hand was, and it's just like, mm -hmm. it's just like another world. Like, yep. I couldn't believe it. All right, let me go to Lewis here. Hey, Lewis, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, the Philly sports movie yet to be made? I think Concrete Charlie, so Chuck Penderick from the Eagles. I mean, he's 40 years before my time, but every 
you know, thing I've read about him and watched about him just. You're, you're nodding. Casey's nodding. Yeah, I mean, and also, like, he's one, one of the most iconic uh, pictures in Philadelphia sports history as well. Uh, him had standing over, was it Len Dawson? Um, Frank Gifford. Frank Gifford, Frank Gifford, yeah. Frank Gifford. Um, yeah, just lays this guy out, and he's just standing over him like he's just, you know, standing over a dead body. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at that picture. I, you know, not growing Jesus. up here. I'm not familiar with that, but that looks, yes. By, by the way, look at look at how ripped up the field is. Oh, uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah. That Franklin Field? It's got to be, right? And and so, yeah, he won the championship in 1960, and then uh, I don't know if he also won in 48, but, yeah, for the long time. That was the only championship that the Eagles had, or the most recent, until they won the Super Bowl in 2017. Wow. I think maybe a story of the making of buddies watching you. Uh, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. The composing, the, yeah. the, the long late-night songwriting <laughs> sessions. By the way, I didn't go through the three worst uh, oh, movies oh, yeah, on, sorry, uh, sorry. on Mike's list here. So, uh, the three worst Philly sports movies, and then we're going to have to take a break. Uh, Stealing Home. With Mark Harmon, it was in the 1980s, yeah. played Billy Wyatt, once a hot prospect for the Phillies who had fallen on hard times, has to figure out what to do with the ashes of his late friend slash first love, played by Jodie Foster. Uh, lots of shots of Chestnut Hill and a ridiculous scene set in that stadium, he says. But other than that, for the local nostalgia, stealing home isn't worth a rewatch. It's, uh, in fact, it's trite. He said Roger Ebert wrote uh, that... He, quote, left the screening wondering if any movie could possibly be that bad. <laughs> it was on the heels of, like, Bull Durham and uh, The Natural and, and other great baseball movies, and it just did not live up. Okay. How about a movie called Pride? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this movie aspires to be uh, Remember the Titans for Swimming. And fails at for being too formulaic. Uh, amid racism in the 1970s, Philadelphia Rec Center coach refurbishes an old pool, teaches several black kids to swim, and leads them into a big meet. Uh, the acting is overwrought, the characters are one-dimensional, and the script lacks any complexity or nuance. I uh, never saw it. Don't know. No, not familiar. And yeah. then the last one he mentioned, worst movie in Philadelphia, Rocky Five. Um, I think <laughs> that's where we get the yeah. Rantlers and and the whole up on the roof thing. Uh, that's that's from Rocky Five. It really is because listen, because you compare it to the genius of other of Rocky and Rocky Balboa and all the stuff we love about Stallone, that that attempt. That, as Nick pointed out, that first swipe at a Rocky Balboa type story was so bad. We need to go through that movie. We need to go through that movie. I'll bet you there's some other gems we could. Oh my God! Yeah, we we have only scratched the surface, and that's the the reindeer on the roof thing. The Rantlers. Can we play the whole Rantlers clip. Do we have that whole? He's gonna have to. No, no, no. We got it. Dig that up. But uh, we forgot about Mighty Max. Oh yeah, Yeah. you were in Mighty Max, right? Yeah, star. What was uh was that the flight attendant? I think it was. You were the you hooker. Were you were the hooker. So many roles. I know, but I've been a snick. I've had so many roles. You think I can remember all of them? God. Uh, was that a basketball movie? Yeah. Yeah. Immaculata College. Yes. Okay. The women. Do I hear reindeer on my roof? You know. Rantlers, yeah, unbelievable! It's like a billion. Whoa! Come on, look who's here. You know this guy. He's gonna be next Christmas before he gets down. Hey, they put it together for Santa. Hey, Merry Christmas, yo, yo, yo. Hey, I don't think you got it right.
say Santa. No, no, no. It's ho, ho, ho. I need you to stop talking. So that was the best take. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, yep. There were other takes that weren't as good. Let's yeah. watch that playback. Perfect. <laughs> That's the one they went with. All right. Well, anyhow, interesting. We're going to be back in just a moment. B file up next. Stay with us. If you like what you hear, you can see it too. Check out Preston and Steve's Daily Rush on PrestonandSteve.com. Celebrate the coziest season with Acme. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all your seasonal favorites. Make the most of fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Acme's here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. You'll find fresh inspiration, chef-curated recipes, on-demand cooking classes, and more just waiting to be enjoyed. So slow down and fall into flavor at acmemarkets.com slash fall. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. This is strange. The last remaining member of an uncontacted indigenous group in Brazil has died, officials say. Uh, The man whose name was not known had lived in total isolation for the past 26 years. He was known as Man of the Hole because he dug deep holes, some of which he used to trap animals while others appeared to be hiding spaces. His body was found on the 23rd of August in a hammock outside his straw hut and there were no signs of violence. The man was the last of an indigenous group whose other remaining six members were killed in 1995. The uh, rest of them were uh, uh, worked in IT. Ah, okay. Uh, the group lived in the uh, Tanaru indigenous area in the state of Rondonia, which borders Bolivia. I program missile defense systems, and uh, he, uh, he digs holes. Uh, the majority of his tribe were thought to have been killed as early as the 1970s by ranchers wanting to expand their land. It's amazing that this, and this does happen, where you have these isolated groups of people. Uh, the man of the hole is thought to have been about 60 years old and have died of natural causes. There were no signs of any incursion, incursions in his territory and nothing in the side had been disturbed, but police will still carry out post-mortem investigation. Under Brazil's constitution, indigenous people have a right to their traditional land, so those wanting to uh, seize it have uh, been known to kill them. Oh, God. Uh, the man of the hole has been monitored for his own safety by agents from Brazil's indigenous affairs agencies since 1996. Dude, just want a hammock and a hole. Wow. So, yeah, there are about 240 indigenous tribes in Brazil with many under threat as illegal miners, loggers, and farmers encroach on their territory. Uh, so this guy was the last of his group. Uh, yeah. Pretty it, wild story, right? It is amazing. Yep. All right, listen to this, Kathy. A Florida man was arrested on his honeymoon after he answered an ad for a prostitute. (laughs) On his honeymoon. Oh, God. Paul Tarovsky left his new bride sleeping in their hotel room in Tampa and went out to meet a prostitute that he had connected with online. God, I can really go for a hooker. Uh, When the self-employed businessman arrived at the Hyatt Hotel, he was placed in handcuffs, caught up in a sting operation by local police to crack down on sex trafficking. There must be some misunderstanding here. I'm looking for a hooker. Uh, The county sheriff said the only question here was, as a wedding guest, was it too late to get the gifts that they gave returned back to them? So this guy was busted on his honeymoon. 
Wow. That's just inappropriate timing. Police are trying to reunite more than 120 stolen forklifts with their rightful owners. On August 24th, detectives with the Inglewood Police Department were investigating the theft of two forklifts when they served a search warrant on a warehouse, and inside they discovered over 120 forklifts. Louie really likes forklifts. Talk to him. And other industrial machinery that were apparently being housed for resale. I don't think, how, you know, think of the businesses in the area. Could you pull together 120 forklifts? It's believed that all the equipment was stolen because warehouse employees were stripping ID numbers and repainting the equipment. By the way, where are all the forklifts? Uh, police did not say if anyone had been arrested in connection with the thefts. Used forklifts can cost anywhere from a thousand dollars to the more than uh, to more than ten thousand dollars based on their weight, capacity, fuel type, <clears throat> and other factors. Quick question: I don't know if this ever was part of a design or a competing design. Was there ever a spoon lift? Oh, oh. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. Just to compete with the forks. Scissor lifts. Scissor There are those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dwayne Hansen had big plans for the 846-pound pumpkin he had grown. He'd been trying to grow a pumpkin that big for nearly a decade, but Berta wasn't just for show. Hansen hollowed it out, plopped a cooler inside, <laughs> and hit the banks of the Missouri River. The 60-year-old was on a quest to squash the Guinness World <laughs> for the longest journey by pumpkin boat. And yes, that's a thing. And he's not the first to use a giant gourd as a vessel. <laughs> Rick Swenson, who in 2016 completed a 25-mile trip inside a pumpkin when he paddled from Grand Forks, North Dakota to Oslo, Minnesota. It's pretty amazing. Holds the title. But Hansen's 38-mile float on Saturday would blow past that record. If verified by Guinness World Records, he could join those who have pushed the limits of what's possible. <laughs> Officials in Bellevue, Nebraska... Announced Hansen's record on Saturday, just hours after he had completed the voyage to Nebraska City. Hansen spent about 11 hours floating in his pumpkin. People across the globe followed his progress, wishing Hansen Godspeed, or as one fan put it, Gord Speed. <laughs> Hansen that one got me. is known for growing large pumpkins and other produce. When he first uh, approached the Bellevue officials about sending his giant pumpkin down the river, uh, yeah. they didn't know that he would be riding in it. Talk to me when you dig holes. Before launching, Hansen had to carve the boat. Yeah. Uh, with a circumference of around 146 inches, Berta was large enough for Hansen to fit inside once the pumpkin was hollowed out. So, I, did he treat the outside with anything, like an no. oil or anything? No. Huh? Wow, he just gored the gourd. Yeah. yeah. His journey was not without challenges. Uh, he had to be on top of it the whole time. He said waves from passing boats threatened to tip his pumpkin more than once. Yeah. He said, you got to stop everything. Just hold on and ride with those waves. That was bad, he said. <laughs> hold on loosely, but don't let go. By 2.52 p.m., Hansen hit the 25.5-mile mark. At that point, he had broken the record set in 2016. But nearly four hours and 13 miles later, he arrived at the marina in Nebraska City, where a crowd of family, friends, and fans were awaiting with loud cheers and happy tears. You're a moron! <laughs> Hansen's daughter, Morgan, said, I'm so proud of my dad. He's always said... I'm just kidding, by the way, I'm not. Listen to this. He, he always said, you can do anything you want. Yeah. And how can you not believe somebody who goes out and does exactly what he wants? You inspire me, Papa. She said, I'm just so proud. Uh, when Hanson's wife, Allison, asked what was it like to have a world record-holding husband... She said, I never know what's going to be next. So he did it. What's it like? I want a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> so 
he managed to get out there and do it. And we'll just wrap it up right there. Well, should we try something like that? In the bizarre file. Maybe yeah, go, go down the school and a banana? We need an 800-pound <laughs> banana, and we can do that. Yeah. All right, there you go. That's what I have in the bizarre file for you. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Wait, what's he? Where was that place, Preston and Steve, said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. And that is until the internet breaks and then we've got bigger problems. The trash business is a gold mine. 93.3 WM. That we've never been able to pull off on the show, and I'll just throw it over to you, and if you can use it, go ahead and use it. But Steve has always wanted to administer a rectal thermometer that is on the end of a forklift and being able to actually... Now, if you can oh, find precision. a way to make that happen, precision, show, precision yeah, right. use so. of a forklift to insert a rectal thermometer... We now place it in your hands because we can't do it. Well, let yeah. me undo, let's see, during the camp out for hunger, we would actually run the heavy equipment. And yeah. I became so good at it because essentially this, the uh, forklift we had was a, 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 a game controller, the X and Y axis. And I was very precise. And uh, so we'd originally pitched this to uh, Bill, you know, the, the program director, as uh, something that we would like to do. Uh, it turns out that's considered rape. So, um, uh, we, <laughs> so we we really have no. No, not if there's consent. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, there's consent. Right. I thought you guys were going to um, talk about the guacamole in a corpse mouth. Yeah, that's oh, what I thought yeah. you were going to say. Oh, Preston. At a funeral, at a funeral, and, and have it as their mouth open, and you, yeah. you can dip and get guacamole. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. You're hungry. Right. Really yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let the dead guy, let the dead person be of use one last <laughs> one more time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's there's uh, something, and you you brought it up, and I don't know if you had a chance to watch the um, uh, the Harry Potter reunion, and you you talk about the camaraderie you have and the understanding you have with you you uh, the rest of the cast members, and Preston and I and everyone who watched the Harry Potter thing keyed right in on it. Throughout the years we've been doing this show, we just have experiences that are unique. It's to unique us. to us. Like and- no one has this relationship. We have our we have our our spouses and our friends outside of this, but no one, no one in the world has the shared experience that we do, and we do it every day, and we've been doing it for years and years and years, and it's just something that that uh, that ties us together and always will. Don't you get it from these guys Absolutely. as well? When we see yeah. you, like with the podcast, or when you're together, you can see, we sense that immediately. That's what you have. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's um, and it's a it's something that. Um, you know, you, you can't really understand unless you've had a situation like that, um, you know, but in a way we've been through it together, as I'm sure you guys have, too. Right. You you you, you I'm sure you don't always get along. Um, you know, I'm sure you have creative arguments um, and, you know, that for us, that only deepens the relationship. It's never it's never fractured our relationships. We've it, 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 it's only ever deepened them. Uh, and it's. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to describe, you know, and it, and it is strange because and you guys can relate to this, too, you know, because we've been doing the show in some form or another since 2003. That was when we shot the whole movie. Wow. Mm, I mean, we've been doing this for for almost 19 years together in some form or another. Yeah. Um, so longer than I've done anything. 
ever. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because when when we sit in this room together, there's this bizarre kind of bubble that happens. It's, yeah. it's our world. There are thousands of people that are a part of this world too. But this this little bubble, we're kind of protected in here, and it's uh it's kind of a sacred little relationship. It's, yeah, it's, it's a neat thing to have. It's you know, it's it's very special. Right, and it all culminates in conversations about um, driving forklifts yep. with thermometers <laughs> yeah. uh, right. directly into someone. We don't yes. say everybody can right. get it. Well, but, we, you know, we never lose sight of the art. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, Glenn, there are there are yeah. high points and there, there are, are low points and, <laughs> and everything in between. I I, uh, I follow you on Instagram, and, and I wanted to ask you about this connection that you have with Kings of Leon and, and Pearl Jam. The night before, I think you're in Philly. You're doing a show. Is it in Louisville? And and those bands are a part of that festival what's going on with that uh well so bourbon and beyond is a it's a a whiskey and music festival uh in in louisville kentucky and um well so this this goes into we've got another uh announcement on the horizon Uh very very excited about it's going to tie into uh the live shows and the bourbon and beyond festival and, and all that um so uh i we have we haven't announced it yet so i can't you know i can just tease it but uh, you know, so there, it will make even more sense eventually. But, uh, but yeah, no, we've been friends with the with the Kings for a very long time. Just mutual fans. I mean, uh, just love. The, I've loved their music for a very long time. And uh, and you know, we came to learn that they were big fans of the show. So, you know, I kind of got to know those guys, and we've now been friends for oh God, almost. Uh, 12, 13 years, something oh, like that. That's crazy. But, uh, I love those guys. It's interesting because, you know, when the show first came out, like, it was our, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It was something that was ours. It, it belonged yeah. to, you know, the city mm-hmm. of Philadelphia and the surrounding areas. And then, uh, you know, without even realizing, uh, we had to share this with the rest of the <laughs> with the rest of the world and, you know, the rest of the country. And, and so I had a really interesting um, thing that happened to me a couple of summers ago. I was out uh, touring, like, Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce, and... We hired a, a tour guide, and it was this guy named Nick, who is a Mormon who lives in southern Utah, and he is a huge fan of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And so and he knows everything, and I told him that uh, I work with the guys that were in the, uh, you know, you know uh, Jabroni, cool word. Uh, what was it? Uh, and Max he, Big Break was Max the name Big of Break. That yeah. was, and, but episode, that's yeah. the thing. He knows this show so well that I started describing the episode, and he named the title of the episode oh, to nice. me. Like, he knows all of that stuff. And I was like, damn, man, we're sharing this. So I wonder if this has had, like, a nice positive uh, effect on, you know, how uh, people feel about the city of Philadelphia. All It's one of the few things yeah. you have going for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Philly gets a bad rap, but then, you know, <laughs> then, you know something like this comes out. You got and- the Rocky statue. <laughs> I, you know, when I run into people uh, and, and they tell me about their experiences in Philly, um... You know, people are, and I tell them, I'm, I'm not from, I'm like, I'm not from Philly, so you yeah. can say whatever you want. Yeah. But almost that, almost everybody to a person is like, man, I, I went to Philly and I didn't know what to expect. But, you know, I loved it. I thought that, you know, it's an amazing restaurants and all this kind of stuff. You know, I, I've, I've almost never talked to anybody who's had a bad experience in Philly. Uh, people, people seem to love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, so right now, Chad Ochocinco, I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but Chad Ochocinco, for some reason, is living in Philadelphia until August. And so he's been all over Twitter uh, for the last couple of weeks. And he's like, I don't know what you're all talking about. He's like, Philadelphia is awesome. He's like, I'm thinking about moving here. He absolutely loves it here. People don't want to hear that, right? You know, people don't want, they, they just want to think that Philadelphia is a pit, but it's not, you know? No, it's beautiful. It's a great city. And um, I, 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 
you know, to, to talk to your earlier point, I mean, it, that is the most gratifying thing about having worked on the show for this many years and is, is hearing people, st- people are constantly, more than anything else, people are, pe- people constantly tell me stories about how the show brought them together with other friends. Yeah. It was the unifying thing. It was the, it was something that they, you know, they met somebody at a party or whatever, and somehow they started talking about an episode of Sunny, and they both realized they were huge Sunny fans, and then they became like super close friends. And then, you know, I mean, I've, I've had, I, I can't tell you the number of people I've, I've, I've heard where it's like, that's the re they, that's the ma- that it's how they met their spouse. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's, it's a, it's, in, it's incredible. Um, you know, but I've also had people tell me that they watch the show as they're falling asleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it, there's a balance. Yeah. A yin and yang. Uh, I, w- <laughs> no, I mean, which is kind of good, but yeah. I guess, but. I wanted to ask you because you know you 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 mentioned you're working on a movie right now and and again you're you're it seems to be going well uh, and you're in are you in Canada right now did you say or where are Ontario. you Ontario Ontario okay yeah and I don't know if you guys have been paying attention oh my wow. god you got the uh, uh, Glenn just oh took god. his hat off he has now we either call this the um, what do we call this Casey the Doctor Phil the or the uh, the, or dad the dad from, from working Mork and Mindy haircut <laughs> uh, sure which I've done is that. the male pattern baldness Casey. Casey made that cut as a Christmas gift to me one time. He got his hair cut like that. It's still content. It was one of the greatest Christmas gifts I've ever received. What is the story with that, Glenn? Uh, well, <laughs> well, the movie that I'm doing, um, I'm I'm playing a real uh, guy, and the real guy was was bald. So you know, I, I had a conversations. I had a conversation with the hair and makeup people, and I was like, you know, look what what's gonna what's gonna be the What's going to be the easy? What's going to look the best at the end of the day? Uh, putting on a ball cap with a hairpiece, <laughs> or me shaving it? And they were like, you, "Shaving it." Yeah. yeah. So I was like, "All right, f- it." <laughs> <laughs> I got to dump out on that part. <laughs> can't say that. Sorry, one. sorry, sorry. sorry. Okay. Mr. Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, it, it doesn't suit you, so I, I guess <laughs> you're, you're good the other way. Uh, yeah. But I'm sure I it's don't gonna... mind it so much. I, I think you could shave. No, you could, when you, if you were to shave your head completely, I, the head structure, you're fine. You're good I think to go. you could go bald. Yeah, yeah no yeah. problem. No problem. We are going to remind yeah. people about obviously the podcast because the tickets uh, are going on sale Friday, and you can go to uh, themetphilly.com or wmmr.com to get all the information. In fact, we're going to be. Uh, having a pre-sale on Thursday, and there's a chance for you to win tickets online. And the venue is perfect. Oh, yeah, it's at the Met. So uh, the Always Sunny podcast is going to be on Sunday, September 18th. Uh, Glenn, it's always great to catch up uh, with you, and it'll be great to see you in person when you guys are in town. So, uh, you know, hang in there in the meantime while you're filming, and uh, and we will see you when you get here. All right, man? Thank you. Uh, it's always great to hang out with you guys. Excellent. All right, take care. Yeah. Glenn Howerton, guys. The Always Sunny Podcast. They're doing it live. He's going to be with Charlie and Rob, and I'm 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 guessing maybe Caitlin will make it, but you never know. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. So. I didn't see his haircut coming. Did you guys? No, no, no. no. That was he took his hat off. I was like, whoa. Uh, so very cool. Good to have him on. We'll take a break, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Introducing the Duncan Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee? You got it. Wait, actually, glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'.
Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.